Hello and welcome to another wonderful episode of Chuck Goes to the Movies where we are talking about different films or filmmakers that have impacted our lives or influenced our love for movies. And we are about to dive into the second episode of our Christmas in July special. I hope you enjoyed Christmas Vacation. I had a lot of fun recording that one with my brother Robert. And today I'm going to be joined by my buddy Rob. Robert? Rob? rob And we are going to discuss an underrated Christmas classic. I mean, it's... It's a great movie, and if you haven't seen it, watch it. And if you haven't seen it in a while, watch it, please. But we're also going to be doing something a little bit different with this episode as well. We're going to be doing a double feature. So yes, we're not only going to be talking about a movie today, but we're going to be talking about what it's like to go to the movies, since we can't go to the movies right now because of this whole coronavirus thing. So I hope you really enjoy this special Christmas in July episode, as well as this special double feature. So, grab your family, let's head to the North Pole, and let's work out some of that sibling angst and rivalry, and talk about going to the movies to go see Fred Claus. Fred! What the blazes have you done? You marked every naughty child as nice! Are you out of your mind? None of the kids seem naughty to me, Nick. Good, good, Fred. You really never see the ramifications of anything, do you? We literally cannot make enough presents with only three days left. We cannot deliver all of those presents. Do you see? It's over. Congratulations, Fred. You've caused Christmas for the whole planet. Everybody. Lithuania. Everywhere in Africa. The whole thing. Right down the crapper. Blame it all on me, right? It's all my fault. How convenient for you. All right, guys, so we are back, and Robbie is joining me again to talk about uh, a Christmas movie that he recommended, one from 2007, Fred Claus. Robbie, how are you doing today? I'm doing all right. Jim, how are you doing? Doing great, and it is not Jim. It is Jimbo, or Jimothy. Please get it right. Jim, Jimmy John Jones Adams? Yep. Or, you know, I'll go by Jimmy John's. In fact, I wish I had some of Jimmy John's money. Can we just treat the people right and do this like a sports announcement? Sure, go ahead. Welcome to another episode of Chuck Loves Movies. We're going to be talking about Chuck going to the movies and also talk about some movies with uh, Chuck, even though his real name's Jim. He's lying to all you people. Lying to you. Every, every major personality is lying to people in one way, shape, or form. I'm not calling myself a major personality, or maybe I am, and I'm just lying about that, too. Who knows? Well, that was a good foreshadow into our uh, Fred Claus movie, because one of the biggest scandals of all time, it happens to be with one of the actors that is involved in this. Are we talking about Kevin Spacey? I think we're talking about the man or the house of cards. Yes. Oh, good old Kevin. Yeah, I can't wait to sit down and talk about uh, Mr. Seven himself. But let's just dive into a few facts about the movie first before we get into all the fun stuff. So it was released on November 9th of 2007, had an estimated budget of about $100 million, and I can already tell you what, it did not make any of that money back during its entire run in theaters. It is only estimated to have grossed just $97 million. So a flop, but a funny movie. I feel like this is one of those movies, again, that couldn't find its following during its initial release, but has found its following later on in its life. It is just an absolutely funny movie. Uh, I forgot how funny it was. I had to sit down and rewatch part of it. Didn't finish it, but um, I do remember. It, it finally all started coming back to me, and I'm just like, wow, 
this is a, kind of an underrated movie, and it's got a bunch of great actors in it delivering some really amazing material. How do you feel about this movie? I think it's one of those movies that slid under the radar when it comes to like, if we brought it back today, it definitely would probably get a lot more attention and probably be a very, very good movie. I just mm-hmm. think, I mean, if you look at the movies back then, in my opinion, they were all pretty freaking good. I mean, most of them were like pretty revolutionary movies when it came to like good actors that were involved. Now it seems like we're getting the same basic stuff over and over again. Mm -hmm. Um, So I feel like it would get a lot more popularity now. But I mean, I saw that movie in theaters in 2007 when it came out. And I mean, I was with my grandparents. So I mean, I remember that movie so distinctively too. And it's funny because us talking about it, I do you like kind of following the original format, which is like how most podcasters usually talk about it? Like, oh, the benefits of the movies, the actors, all these types of things. But I think it has some key points to it that a lot of, I guess, uh, some people really haven't addressed, which is the family aspect of it all, especially coming from like me being a younger sibling. I can understand a lot of what you will get to see a different side, like a brother's perspective, um, which is basically how the movie takes place. Fred Claus, you get to see Vince Vaughn, um, the older brother who gets to literally, you know, gets to see a bunch of different things happen and basically become the less important member of the family he feels. I can absolutely relate to that. I'm the younger brother in my situation, and it was very, very hard growing up in the shadow of your brother, of any sibling, I'm sure. I was always Robert's little brother, and then everybody always had that expectation that I was going to be more like my brother, more like my brother. Well, guess what? I'm my own damn person, and I'm awesome. Well, my brother's awesome, but I'm awesome. Well, I think Kevin Spacey has like one of the best quotes when he has that line in the movie where he's talking about like, you know, you're that little tree that's growing in your brother's shadow or growing in the bigger tree shadow, trying to crawl for that ounce of uh, sunlight, you know, growing all crooked and twisted. And I'm like, it's a lot of what, like, if you're a little brother, I mean, you got somebody that's already older than you, that's already left a mark, left a kind of uh, goals to hit or things you need to kind of surpass. It always feels like a competition, at least in mm-hmm. some relationships. And it's weird to see that guess twist around when it came to um, the older brother really growing up in the little brother's shadow. I mean, if you want to talk about like going to the movie scenes or if you want to talk about the actors, uh, I'll let you run it because I can sit here and go all day about this. <laughs> That's cool. That's cool. Um well, you know, let's let's just dive into the movie. Normally, I'd like to go into some reviews and stuff like that right now, but uh, I'm not really... Uh, I've said it before, I'm not a huge fan of reviews. You can't really go by what critics say and stuff like that, because you've really got to be able to go into these movies forming your own opinions and being able to have an open mindset, because if you listen to critics, you're already going in with a skewed view, so... Well, I see I see people's perspective on the review factor of like what they were talking about, but I was also looking at the reviews like in my head thinking you guys are just all about like it needs to be perfect needs to be 100 percent. let's point out every little flaw let's point out every little detail why this movie is that i'm like who cares that much about it i mean obviously there was so many parts of it that were kind of questionable Mm -hmm. but it's an overall very good funny movie it was a classic comedy i would call it more like we would see back in the day i mean Vince Vaughn's a very good actor. Paul Giamatti, outstanding actor, even though he doesn't seem like he's acting that much anymore. But 
I mean, mm-hmm. those just the overall vibe and the overall feel that it gave you it was one of those where like I'm going to sit and watch it. You know, if it's if it's watchable, then it shouldn't be reviewed as badly as it did. I just think because of the fact it wasn't as popular as like I don't know all these Christmas movies that are coming out now, like A Night Before with Seth Rogen and all these types of funny classic uh, Christmas comedies or something. It's a little bit a twist on it, I would say. Very well said. Um, no, I agree wholeheartedly on that. Uh, and with that being said, let's really just dive into the meat and potatoes of this episode. So what is it about Fred Claus that resonates with you? Why is this a Christmas movie, your go-to Christmas movie? Well, I saw it when it first came out um, with my grandparents, and it was like, oh, let's watch a Christmas movie. You saw Vince Vaughn in it. We were all, f- I guess, uh, f- I would say fans of Vince Vaughn. And then I saw Paul Giamatti and I was like, well, I mean, seems like a pretty good movie to dive into. And as we're like, I mean, I went with my grandparents midway um, in Delaware. There's this movie theater there. And I mean, it was something that stuck into my mind because like I went with my brother, he's older than me. So like, as I'm watching, I mean, the beginning scene, it is a total twist of what usually a movie about Santa Claus is, I mean, you have what Tim Allen in a Christmas movie where, or Santa Claus or whatever, where he's, (laughs) you know, you see him knock Santa off the roof and then pick up the jacket and then I'll do these things. But nobody has ever seen Santa as a kid. Like that was a complete different change to the average thing or average story of a Christmas movie in the first place. Like you get to see this little kid. I mean, he was chunky as hell, but you look at him like going in, in and out of the like a uh, chimney and stuff like, oh, he's St. Nicholas and, you know, all these types of things. And it was like, whoa. And you saw the older brother, the jealousy start to arise a little bit and then watching it like take place from the brother's perspective. Like what movie has Santa Claus's brother? Like that's already different. I mean, that's if you read that in a on paper or something, you're going to want to go see that movie. Like, well, that's a twist. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh I really I, I love this whole play on the whole family and the brother dynamic thing, especially one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie is where they're at the support group and you've got Sylvester Stallone's brother there. You have uh, President Bill Clinton's half brother there. You got uh, Stephen Baldwin, who's always been like the hated Baldwin of all the Baldwins. And they're all, it's all about living in your brother's shadow. And I think that is just an idea, uh, a life that many people can just relate to. There's always going to be something special about your sibling. There's always going to be something that uh, you don't quite live up to in their eyes. But what's important to realize is that you are your own person and you can make your own way without, I don't know, overshadowing your sibling. Or you can make your own way without uh, worrying about how people are going to compare you to your sibling. And that's something that uh, I finally learned Obviously, later on in life, you know, my brother and I are two completely different people. We live two completely different lives, and uh, we've gone two completely different paths, but we we love each other, and uh, we don't try to compare to each other, and we're both absolutely awesome, and I think that's a great... uh... (sighs) Sorry, my coffee needs to kick in a little bit faster. I think that's just a great um, story for everybody to take away from this movie. I think it shows a great dynamic too. I mean, as mm-hmm. you get to see throughout the movie, Paul Giamatti, um, when he, you know, he's Santa Claus, but he's also trying his hardest to impress his older brother, get his brother's respect, you know, get his brother's love. And you just see this like, 
you get to see in the beginning, obviously, where they're at the meeting and they're talking about their whatever being shadowed by their brothers or something. And then you see this guy who's the little brother trying to impress his older brother, even though he's freaking Santa Claus. He's doing all these amazing things and he doesn't feel like he's more important than his older brother. But it's so hard for the older brother to see past that, considering what everybody thinks of him. I mean, I think the biggest problem I saw um, that people were pointing out with it was the fact that the aging factor was that nobody was aging. Apparently, since Santa Claus doesn't age, neither does his family. Yeah. So, you know, they were all around and it was constantly. But like that only adds into the fact of the story too. imagine living a couple hundreds of years and feeling like you're in your brother's shadow. All that time after a while is going to build up and become something. I think that was a great twist. And it really. I guess would open up your eyes if you were sitting in the theater like I was next to your brother. They get to kind of look over at each other like, whoa, like I never really saw it from that perspective before. Yeah, absolutely. And then I think what made the twist even better is the fact that, like you said, you saw that Paul Giamatti, Santa Claus, you know, he's trying to impress his brother, too, and he just wants to live up to these expectations. But then he's also angry himself. You know, you, you got to see the anger that builds up inside when you have all this resentment just sitting there. And it can happen in the best of people. It can happen in the worst of people. The fight, the fighting, the words being exchanged back and forth. It was just a very realistic interpretation of one of the greatest folk stories of all time. Yeah. And it's pretty crazy that you get to see a twist on it when it comes to, I didn't know the IRS was involved in cutting off Santa Claus. (laughs) The IRS is involved in everything or they like to think they're involved in everything. And one of the things I mislooked was like, did you notice that Kevin Spacey's character, what his name was or fake name was that they gave him North cut? Like that's a foreshadow into cutting off the North Pole. Oh, didn't even think about that. (laughs) I love it when he was talking about downsizing. He's like, yeah, we've already told the tooth fairy. It's one tooth only, you know, then, you know, you lose a tooth. Cool. Get a dollar. Then get over it. And it's like, so true. So true. (laughs) Kevin Spacey was perfect uh, for that role. Despite him being a sleazeball in real life, he, he is a tremendous actor. And I just love the fact that he can do, he can do that straight, straight face, deadpan comedy, you know, it wasn't outlandish or anything, but he made you laugh throughout the whole film with his little one-liners. Awesome time. Do you think uh, the movie would have did worse if they would have found out the scandal before that movie came out? Because we were to talk about it being pretty low in the ratings or getting you know not a lot of traction, I would say. If it was brought back today, like you know, brand new movie and had never been done in the past before, do you think that it would get the traction that it did or do you think it would do even worse? I feel like the sales would probably go up only because of the fact that people know the scandal and they're like, what is this piece of crap? I got to go see this so I can hate on this movie. And then they watch it and they're like, Oh, it's not that bad. Only question I had was why the hell was Vince Vaughn wearing leather when there was snow around? Don't you know that <laughs> that ruins the fabric? Um, I personally think it probably would have done worse. Um, well, actually, I guess that depends. So if this, if we were discovering this is the whole me too movement also happening at I don't know, because, I mean, it seems like the Me Too movement was a little while ago. It's still happening. I know it started, what, back 2016? But it's still happening. It'll be it'll happen forever. There'll be people that'll be born, and there'll be people <clears throat> that are Me Tooing. Um, Bill Cosby was my long-lost dad. Bill Cosby. He couldn't see me with the white in his eye. Well, 
I hope you didn't slip anything in that bottle. Long lost dad. Maybe. Long lost dad. Uh, I think he could never see me down there because of the white of that eye. He just couldn't see me. That cat. I think the I think the movie would have done worse. Honestly, if people knew who Kevin Spacey was, there probably would have been more outrage that he was in the movie. Why wasn't he recast? Why wasn't he removed? Things like that. Um, kind of go with the whole T.J. Miller thing. You know, T.J. Miller, when he just did all those really weird things, calling in the fake bomb threat, things like that, all his drunken disorderly in public. Um, Deadpool, real, Deadpool 2 really cut down on his character a lot, and then Ryan Reynolds flat out said he is not welcome back in any future sequel and things like that because they don't want people like that associated with their movies because they could potentially ruin what is because people will go to it and then that's all they're going to focus on that's why after the whole kevin spacey scandal broke out he was completely removed from that movie all about the money or whatever all for the money all about the money i can't remember the exact title and christopher Plummer was brought in last minute and reshot all his roles like all 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 the scenes that kevin spacey was in Christopher Plummer came in and replaced him. And that movie ended up going on and making lots of money. And it even earned Christopher Plummer an Oscar. So, I mean, even with all the scandals we can talk about with Kevin Spacey, I still think he's a legitimately good actor. Agreed. Um, I just think he played so well. If you rewatch the movie, like I was watching bits and pieces of it, you get to see him slip into character and it's kind of so real where you're just like, you're not even thinking about the scandal when you're looking at him. I mean, you can kind of tell some dark shady stuff's in there, but at the same time you're watching it, you're like, he's, he's a good actor. Like you have to give him props for doing the character so well. And I think a lot of people that complained um, from doing like a review on this movie was the fact that his character didn't make any sense. And I was like, his character made perfect. Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's a kid that literally, like they're, they're like well, what he just didn't get a toy one day and he decides to cut off santa claus it's like no but he wanted a toy so bad like you've wa- you've been in a store with your parents and you've wanted something really freaking bad you probably didn't need it but you wanted it mm-hmm. and your parents have said no and you've been holding on to that for a long time until whenever uh, wait till christmas time and you ended up getting on christmas something well imagine wanting a toy working your whole year whatever trying to be good do everything as much as possible then not getting the one thing you want the most and you feel like the dude let you down i mean that's a lot of what it was i guess a twist i mean we look at the basic template for a christmas movie when it does involve santa claus it's about oh the presents aren't going to be delivered on time yeah that was the same thing with this but this also showed different key points into what leads up into maybe uh that whole scenario in general, such as like the brother having to do it. Well, how does the brother get there? I think that was important that they showed a lot of that, a lot of what was going on, a lot of the little hidden details about characters, Northcutt, you know, the fact that he never got a gift that he wanted. Then eventually later that leading into the ending of it, I think that's all important. I mean, one of the funniest, not to cut you off, but one of the funniest moments was when, you know, uh, they're playing the same Christmas song over and over and over again when he's working. And then him just getting so angry, like Vince Vaughn just coming out like, can you play another song? But people love Christmas because I get it. But you're just playing the same thing. And the only time we get a break from it is when you come in to announce that you're playing it again. <laughs> like, it, you know, it's like it's like if you don't shut it off. But I think that was a perfect 
fit for his character because we all know Vince Vaughn is that spark plug kind of like, you know, he gets annoyed and he's going to voice it if he gets annoyed. And I think, I mean, we've all been in there like a Walmart or a Kmart or something when they're playing the same freaking Christmas song over and over and over again. You're like, somebody get a new DJ on there, play some Burt Bacharach record or something, some James Brown. I, I can absolutely agree with that. Having worked retail a lot in my life, it's Christmas time is the worst when it comes to music. And a time I can think of specifically there is when I used to work for a company that shall not be named. But uh, I, I worked in this like town center and we were required to leave our door open. So we heard the Christmas music playing out. But the way they had set up the speaker system throughout the town center is that it was done in zones. So you would hear the song in one zone and then all of a sudden you'd hear that same part of the song in another zone and it wasn't synced up properly. So not only are you being bombarded with just this ridiculous amount of Christmas music, you had to listen to it out of sync. And so you had to just, it, it was just the most awful thing in the world. And then of course, having worked in grocery stores and stuff like that, having to listen to that awful music anyway, they seem to find the worst Christmas music in grocery stores and play it. Uh, well, did you want to know the worst place to ever listen to music in a store where you work is a casino? I mean, before COVID hit, I was in a casino, you know, what songs you would hear all the time. Uh, the gambler just random gambling songs over and over and over again and then you'd hear like some acdc it's like it's nice but every once in a while you're sitting there listening to like you gotta know when to hold them it's like i get it know when to fold them how about you know when to shut up all right because it's getting too much uh but to go back to the whole kevin spacey thing real quick to circle uh back around that whole idea you know about being a disappointed child growing up and wanting to just kind of enact your revenge that that is kind of a very big thing that we as human beings can relate to you can always kind of look back on one event in your childhood that kind of got ruined for you and it just ruins your taste for a particular thing so me personally i don't like christmas i think it's one of the worst holidays in the world why because christmas has been ruined for me it's usually been riddled with family arguments um nothing's been jolly right, about it i grew up Spit in the it out. i grew up in the south Spit it out. i'm spitting it out tell, tell me all your stories i need to hear a specific moment of why christmas was ruined for you cuz i think i mean we've all gotten had a bad christmas maybe you know what i mean honestly like i mean my christmas this past year wasn't the best I didn't ask for anything because I didn't want anything. And I got a bunch of stuff. And then you realize it's everything. It was like, this is this is a tough one for me to talk about because I like Christmas. Uh, I didn't ask for anything. I got a bunch of stuff. But everything I opened didn't fit or wasn't useful or wasn't something that was, I guess, good for me, I would say. So I was like opening up. I was like, well, I can't use this. So it was a bunch of false hopes and dreams. So I was like, I would have just been a thousand times better with nothing. like this is just a bunch of stuff that I can't use. So I'm just like, okay. Well, I, I can't say that my stories are more related to anything presence wise. I always tell people don't get me anything for Christmas. Cause then my expectations are exactly, if I get something, then I've already exceeded expectations, but it, it's more from the family aspect. I mean, I've just, I can sit here and think of all the memories of arguments and just absolute uh, disgust and hatred between family members and things like that the snide remarks being thrown back and forth the uh, just looks the comment i just 
it never felt like a jolly time for me. I, I, when I was younger, maybe it was, but as I got older, I really got to you know, notice more of what the adults were doing, and then of course being involved in it as well. Uh, one of the last Christmases I remember at home before I went into the Navy was probably the worst Christmas I had. I mean, my mom and aunt got into such a huge argument that my aunt and uncle like stormed out of the house and left. Like right before every, all all the events, all before dinner, Christmas present opening and stuff like that, and it just put this mark on the day that was hard to recover from. So you know, I'm trying my hardest. My wife is trying to get me to love Christmas a lot more now, especially since we have kids. Um, so I'm trying not to be Mister Bah Humbug, Mister Ebenezer Scrooge. Um, and I want to love Christmas. I love almost everything about Christmas. I love Christmas movies. Um, I love christmas music i just don't like the holiday itself i don't know it's kind of weird you gotta add a christmas tradition in there i think like for me my christmas eve tradition that's why it's kind of really important to me is because like me and my dad steak and uh shrimp you know we would watch a christmas story all christmas eve um you know we'd have steak and shrimp at night and then he would bake like chocolate chip cookies we'd have that later and then we'd go off to bed and then the next day i would end up going to my buddy's house or something uh, drive over there me and him do our christmas tradition where you know we get each other obviously our gifts but we get a thing that we add every single year so i have like this uh if you ever seen the night before with seth rogan he has the jewish christmas sweater mm. i have my buddy got me that so that was our first year tradition and then we just keep adding on top of it next it'll be like a funny hat next it'll be this <laughs> and then you know by we're at like the sixth year we have like six different things we're wearing or six different things we're doing but we always right after we open up presents at his house like we give each other our gifts he got me a tortilla blanket so i mean oh those are awesome Come on now. But uh, we just we drive down to the Chinese place and we get some Chinese food and we just bring it back some General Tso's chicken, load up on that and just hang out around Christmas time listening to like some Christmas songs. Are you sitting there singing ra 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 ra? I wish. No, we listen to uh there's a fallout soundtrack of all the old school songs mm -hmm. that are all Christmas versions. So we'll be listening to that, like uh, some Frank Sinatra singing Christmas songs and all these types of things. So we're listening to a little twist on the average, like you hear them sleigh bells jingling. It's like, I don't want to hear that. I want to hear a little bit more of a folksy Christmas song. Gotcha. Like DMX. Have you ever heard DMX sing Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer? No. <laughs> Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. What? what? It's oh my God. It's perfect, dude. That is the best <laughs> thing to play. Uh, we're, we're trying to find Christmas traditions. Um, my oldest is old enough now to understand, uh, certain things. So, uh, I've been trying to get Christmas traditions started and I, I've gotten better about Christmas over the year. I'm just, I'm, I'm cynical towards holidays in general. There's not one holiday I like except for Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is the best holiday in the world. Okay. Really? There's not one holiday you like? Mm-mm. I like the idea behind a lot of holidays, but again, I don't like the holidays themselves. I, I'm weird. I like the Christmas time because I like it when the tree's up and you know you smell the you know the types of candles that people are lighting. Like I like just the overall vibe of that. Like it just feels peaceful on Christmas night. Like you know hanging out with like uh, whatever. Even if you're by yourself, just being around like the Christmas tree, having that Christmas vibe. I love. But then like the day after, and I don't like the people that put their like decorations up a month before. Like that <laughs> just gets me. Like if Walmart has it way, in there. They'd be up 24 sevens, 365 days a year. Yeah. Like Walmart has it up there like a six months before the actual holiday approaches. I'm like, uh, as soon right, as man. July 4th is over, they're ready for Christmas. Yeah. Well, this is a Christmas in July episode. So. This is a Christmas in July episode, and which is why I, 
it's it, this is why I want to do the Christmas in July episode because come Christmas time I'm going to become so bah humbug I don't want to talk about it. And also for some strange reason I used to annoy my coworkers with this. I I tend to sing a lot of Christmas songs in July. I don't know why. Anytime I whistle, it's a freaking Christmas song. Yeah, I'll be walking in Walmart. My dad's like, "Are you really singing Frosty right now?" I'm like, I, "Every time I whistle, it's just a Christmas song. It's never like a, a nice tune. It's always like." And it just starts going into like you hear them sleigh bells jingle, and it's like what? That, that's usually my go-to when I whistle, actually. <laughs> uh, and my my oldest, he's learned how to play jingle bells on the piano, so uh, you hear that over and over and over and over and over. Um, What's your most annoying Christmas song? You'd have to say. Oh, most annoying Christmas song. Um, that's a tough one. Um. I think Amazing Grace or Silent Night, whatever the one it's called. Oh, I'm about to say Amazing Grace is on Christmas. Uh, Silent Night? Yeah, can, I, I could see that. You can play Amazing Grace on Christmas. You could. Uh, well, I mean, Jingle Bells isn't a Christmas song. It's technically a Thanksgiving But Jingle song. Bells is awesome. Jingle Bells is awesome. Um, I would have to say probably the most annoying Christmas one is um, Oh Christmas Tree or Oh Tannenbaum, whatever you want to call it. Or anything by Alvin and the Chipmunks. <laughs> Christmas, Christmas time is here. Well, we talk about importance of Christmas. Like for me, I have this little thing I've had since I was like four years old. It's a little fake Christmas house. It has little uh-huh. Christmas decorations on it. And there used to be Santa on the roof, but it ended up breaking off. But um, I literally just this past Christmas, I mean, I'm 22. I've had this thing since I was four. We've never changed the batteries once. And you just press this button on the front porch and it plays a different Christmas song. And whenever like if that, that tree goes, or not that little tree, that little decoration goes up the first week of December in our house. And I, every time I walk by it every single day, press one, press a button. Every time I go down for dinner, press a button, go down for breakfast, press a button, go down for, and it's just, you know, people know, like, it's funny. My family will laugh like, Oh, Robbie's downstairs. Like you can hear the song start playing. <laughs> it's just the habit I've always had to do. And I remember my little nephew's like three years old. So we brought him over. We had him on Christmas Day, and he saw it and he started pressing. It and he was so founded by it. And I was sitting there as a video of me sitting next to him, like it's awesome, right? Like you know, like it's pretty cool. Like I, this is where I found my fascination with it. And he picks it up, and I'm like, you just see my face like start to kind of like, oh shit, like don't you fucking drop it. And like I'm like getting real protective about it. And he's, everyone's like, oh he's fine, he's fine. He's not gonna drop it. He dropped it. Battery flew out. I got so upset. I was like, bro. I put the battery back in, just looked at him. He's three years old looking at me like, what What I do? And I just I just shake shake my head and put the thing on like a really top shelf. I was like, this is precious to me. You you there are there are a lot of Christmas memories that you can you're emotionally attached to. There's one speaking of Christmas decorations. I remember when I, I used to live with my grandmother when I was younger. She had this like ceramic little Christmas house and it had little uh, there was a little light bulb inside, and then you had these glass bulbs that you stuck in holes all over the house, and then you turn it on, and it would just light up, and it'd be really pretty. I remember when that broke, and I was heartbroken when it broke, because I loved that thing. That was probably my favorite Christmas decoration as a kid. Um, I forget even how it broke. I think we were moving, and somebody just dropped it. How do you it. have a kid and not love decorating the Christmas tree? It's... Don't get me wrong. I will go all out. I, I do I do all the decorating in our house. Um, so I, 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 mean, I, I put up all the Christmas lights. I put up all the Christmas decorations. I put up the tree, everything. The, the tree's got to be perfect. The ornament's got to be in all the correct spots, stuff like that. I do get into it, it but... 
I don't know. There's a there's like a hint of resentment behind all of it. I'm just like, ah, this is all fake. Uh, farce. It's gotta be. It's gotta be hard for you to review a Christmas movie if you have that feelings towards it. Because like you're looking at like this, uh, you know, bring it back to a movie a little bit. Is like when they're decorating the Christmas tree and they're having those family times. Yeah, everybody's so happy. But there's like judgmental eyes, like based on Fred. Just everyone's mm-hmm. looking at him. He's not enjoying it. He's not in the moment. I mean, like it's so many factors get set up for you to be in the moment, especially when you're decorating a Christmas tree, you got the music playing, you got something mm-hmm. going on. It's always creating that atmosphere for it. But like, you can tell like the mom's not happy of where Fred's at, you know, in his life, he's got a bunch of things going wrong. I mean, he literally does the opposite of Santa Claus. Like he does a bunch of like, um, what is he? He's a repossession guy, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like you look at all that, compared to what his brother does, the complete opposite, trying to impress his parents, but realizes he can't do anything because his brother's freaking Santa Claus. Yeah. I mean, we it's those family moments, though, like catching that tension as they did in the movie, too, is pretty important because, I mean, I think we all have awkward times at Christmas. I remember being a little kid, and it's my dad's fondest memory. Freaking, he we used to live in, like, this triangle-shaped house. So, like, the roof was, like, slanted like a triangle. So mm-hmm. our, we got a really tall Christmas tree that was ended up bending because of the roof. It would have to like kind of like bend down a little bit. They so <laughs> couldn't put a star on top. And I remember we just got done decorating it. And I was I was so little. I went into my room and all you hear was this loud thud. I mean, smash. And my dad's like, the next thing I heard was you scream. I didn't do it. And I come downstairs and our whole entire like seven foot tall Christmas tree had fallen over and glass everywhere. And like, he always remembers that he goes, remember that time, like right when we're decorating, I'm like, yeah, let's not let it happen to this one. And he goes, well, stop (laughs) putting all the decorations on one damn side. I'm like, look, nobody (laughs) sees the back anyway. No, it's got to be decorated evenly, dude. Ornaments have to go on the back too. Just pick the ones you don't like and put them on the back. Um, No, it's not hard for me to review Christmas movies because again, I, I, I don't know. I like the spirit of Christmas, I guess. I like the concept behind it so i love christmas movies uh my favorite christmas movie my two absolute all-time favorite christmas movies are um white christmas and uh muppet christmas carol and there's just a lot of fond memories with those movies growing up but um yeah so i don't have a hard time reviewing christmas movies i just you know i guess i need to find the inner child in me again and forget about all the bad shit that's happened at christmas time and embrace Sounds like be... Santa needs to bring you a, a good present this year. Santa needs to bring me all sorts of things. A million dollars, Santa, if you're listening. What did you feel about the um, scene that a lot of people talk about, which was like apparently per- stupid in some people's eyes, where he was accepting everybody, putting nice on everybody's list? Like everyone was talking about um, Vince Vaughn, Fred Claus being – um, I would say a jerk just for trying to ruin his brother's system. Um, mostly because like he was just accepting and putting nice on all these kids lists. He was approving everybody and like, Oh shit, we can't make all these toys for all these kids. You, you marked everybody nice. And a lot of these kids weren't. And he was like, in my eyes, they all are nice, Nick. And it's like, you hear that. And it's like, he wasn't doing it to ruin his brother's thing. He was doing it because like he saw his stepson or, you know, whoever, that one kid that was just doing, he was in a bad spot. And he realized all these kids, they're all nice. They're all good. They all have the ability to be good. They just have some things going on that they can't sort out. Now, when it comes to the little kid that ran into his brother's room and was beating the whole room up with a bat and the girl was just screaming at him, that kid might have some issues. But I mean, pretty sure a little bit of therapy can help. But I think like coming from that perspective, I was like, I was a hellion when I was little. I don't know how many times I got threatened to get cold, but I never received anything. I mean, I yeah. think I got 
built coal once, but like I had presents and stuff. And I think it's like, you look at that, like for a lot of kids, especially growing up nowadays, like parents separating two Christmases, all these different types of things, all that type of stress, like it never feels like the original Christmas. I remember my very first Christmas with my parents being separated. Wasn't, uh, it was, it was a, you could tell that there was a lot of like, I need to get him as much gifts as possible. That type mm-hmm. of scenario between me and my brother, it was like, what? Like I, I tossed out a ridiculous thing. I want a red bull table, which is like, we, I live in a beach town. So we have all these clubs and stuff and they have red bull tables that are like bar tables, but there's, they're in the shape of a red bull can. I'll take a picture, send it to you so you can post it with this episode. So people right. know I'm not lying. It's in my garage. <laughs> I literally have not used it at all. It just sits there and wastes time. But my dad worked at this giant radio station and they had them there. And I was like, I want one of those. And he's like, okay. And I was not expecting it. Next thing I know, I come downstairs and it's not there. I'm like, yeah, I figured. And um, so there's a bunch of other gifts, video games and stuff. And uh, he opens up the back door and there's this Red Bull table out there. I'm like, wow, you actually got it. He goes, you don't know. I just went up. I said, can I take one of these? He said, sure. And then I just grabbed it. I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> it's that easy? Pretty sure you stole something. Um. I think that's always been a bothersome thing for me around Christmas time, and I try not to imprint it on my own kids. You know, the whole, you need to be good, you need to behave, or else you're not going to get anything. You're going to get lumps of coal. Santa's not going to bring you anything. It's a very manipulative tool, and as I got older, I really started to understand that a little bit more. Uh, I agree with Fred on this one, that every kid is nice. I agree with you. Every kid is nice inherently. Uh, you know, we all go through bad things. I was a hellion growing up. I mean, if you brought my mom on this podcast right now, she would probably sit here for 14 15 hours telling you all the bad stuff I did as a kid, but she would always buy me a gift. She would always make sure that Christmas was awesome. Well, try to make sure that Christmas was awesome and magical. So I I don't like the manipulation aspect of it. And especially nowadays where the modern manipulation is elf on a shelf. I told my wife, there is no elf on a shelf in this household. No, I don't, I don't play that game. No, I don't play that game either. That's that's way too much of manipulation. I mean, we could sit sit here and talk all the bad stuff about Christmas, but do you have anything really that you truly love about it? I mean, for me, I ask everyone in my family, don't get me a Christmas present, but write down in a card, give me a Christmas card. And I have all the cards saved up in my, uh, uh, in my closet. There's a bunch of them in a shoebox. that, I mean, even from my great grandfather, where it would be like, Merry Christmas, love you, buddy. And he's not around anymore, but he would write something and circle the words that he meant. And I mean, even reading it now, I get that inner narrating monologue of his voice in my head when I read it. And it's stuff I like to look back on and stuff. And I mean, Christmas stockings was always my favorite. I always got pineapple for Christmas. Mm -hmm. Uh, They always put a uh, couple pineapple in there. Here's a fun fact. Don't eat more than a pineapple, like a full pineapple in a day because I eat two in one day and I forgot. um, There's this thing that I didn't really know about. Um, Apparently you can get the levels in your blood of acid raised up from all the acid in the pineapple. I woke up the next day and I looked like two face. My one side of my face was severely like burned. Like the skin looked like I was covered in poison Ivy and the skin was irritated because of all the acid that was in my blood. It took a couple days, but it was, it was freaky to figure out that, Oh, you're not supposed to eat two pineapple in a day. Yeah. There's a ton of acid and pineapple, a uh, little side story for one of my college exper- science experiments. I had to show the effects of pineapple, like fresh pineapple juice on a piece of meat and it disintegrated this piece of meat 
uh, within a day. So there's a lot of acidity in pineapple. Don't do that ever again. <laughs> How do you feel about Christmas treats? Like cookies and stuff like that? Yeah, like we the, you saw in the movie, he was eating all the cookies and stuff, and he broke into the uh, the Jewish people's house, and they're all doing like Hanukkah, and he's like, ah, Shazam, Shazam, or whatever, and walked out. It's like it's Shalom, but like, you saw, <laughs> like he's eating all the cookies. You know, make sure you eat the cookies; it's important. They get in, upset. Do you think there's a better treat out there that we could do besides cookies? Like, I feel like my grandma made these things, and we call them pretzel sticks, bro. Their grandma's special treats. My cousin. Okay, so funny story. I'm sorry, it's gonna go off. No. On- Go ahead. But my cousin, my long lost cousin, I found out about him Christmas Eve. Okay. He's in his thirties. I literally just got done seeing him. Um, He's in his thirties. I met him on Christmas Eve. And then on Christmas day, he came over and he was my ninth episode of my podcast. So when that whole podcast, two and a half hours of me and him after Christmas, opening up presents, uh, fueled on shrimp and crab cakes and coffee, just learning about each other, figuring out like, Oh, where, where'd you grow up? How did this happen? What was it like having adopted parents, all these types of things. But when I saw him, I was like, did you get grandma's special treats? And he's like, yes, dude, they're freaking awesome. And we always know on Christmas time, when it comes around the season, what my grandmom does is she grabs these pretzel rod sticks, the giant pretzel rods, mm-hmm. and she rolls them in caramel, rolls them in chocolate syrup, rolls them in marshmallow, rolls them in pecans, rolls them in M&Ms, white chocolates, chocolate chips, and she bakes them. Bro, you freeze those bad boys. You don't care if you break a tooth. You will devour those things. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah, we end up Minus going over to each other's house and uh, try and uh, take them out of each other's freezers and eat their stash rather than ours. And I'm like, what are you doing eating my stash, bro? She gave you a whole bag. It's like, I don't want to waste mine. <laughs> um, Christmas treats, um, not usually a huge thing uh, growing up in my house. I remember my, I've, I don't remember the name of the cookies my grandmother would make. Um it's the it's the cookies where you put the Hershey's Kiss on top and you kind of indent it down into the cookie. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she used to make those all the time, and I love those. Um, Christmas treats have kind of um, changed as I've grown up. So, like, for Santa, we don't leave a plate of cookies out for Santa, actually. We leave, uh, we leave a bottle of beer out for Santa. Um, oh, oh, Santa's getting tipsy. I was about to say, yeah. are you about to be like, oh, we leave celery out for Santa so we can have some energy through the night? It's like, no, 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 no. He, calories. He's not vegan. He he gets a beer, um, maybe a Rice Krispie treat, and then we leave a huge plate of carrots out for the reindeer. Carrots and for the reindeer. Carrots for the reindeer. They got to eat, too. They're the ones doing all the work. I know. You don't really get to see them talk a whole lot in Fred Claus. That's one of the things I like about um, the Santa Claus movie with Tim Allen. You get a lot of reindeer time. I feel like this isn't even a movie about Fred Claus anymore. This is just where us talking about Christmas. That's I know. The, the, the whole idea behind the, or this episode has changed. This is not a Fred Claus uh, episode. This is a just like Christmas talk episode. If you're like listening it. 45 minutes into the episode <laughs> and you're wondering when the hell they're going to start talking about Fred Claus again, we might talk about it. We might not. Honestly, yeah. the Christmas in July episode. So you just us- you, you got to keep listening and find out. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Christmas in July. Christmas in July. So Santa's coming by. You you had asked me, and I hadn't had a real big chance to um, answer this question. So you asked me if there's anything about Christmas that I actually do enjoy, or something like that, uh, to that nature. There's um, and there is there is something about Christmas I absolutely enjoy. Is it, is it uh, kicking Tiny Tim's crutches out from under him? 
depends on how much rum I've had. Um, one of my favorite things to do, and it's one of the reasons I love Thanksgiving so much, is because uh, I'm a fat kid. Uh, I love food. Um, I love just cooking like good dinners and lunches and stuff like that for Christmas time. So I, I like being in the kitchen. It's one of my. It's one of the things I look forward to the most is just sitting there and just making all this food for everybody. Because as long as everybody's eating, everybody's shutting up, and that's that's the fun part. I really do enjoy Christmas. I think it's a good time, especially when there's little ones around. You get to see their amazement of watching them open up presents and stuff too. But I mean, there's always that moment, you know, when you come downstairs and you get to see the Christmas tree and there's presents mm-hmm. under it and then giving gifts to each other. And I think it sucks when it's all over. It's like, oh crap. But I mean, I'm an insomniac. So it's like, for me, you know, I would go to sleep probably for like an hour, then I'll wake up and I'll just be playing games or something, waiting for everybody else to get up or doing something. You know, I'll come downstairs. Like, I mean, I would work out on Christmas Day. So I'll be at the gym at two o'clock in the morning. And then I just come back and my mom's like, you ready? Or my dad's like, you ready? Like, you know, I'm up, you know, you're up too. Might as well. I'm like, yeah, because you're honestly sitting there. You know, it was so hard. I think one of the biggest things when I was a kid was trying to go to sleep on Christmas Eve. Because mm-hmm. you wanted it to be Christmas Day. Like you just, the it was so hard. Yeah, you were waking up every minute, like, oh my God, oh my God, he's not going to come if I don't go to sleep. Uh, these types of things. And then, you know, you come downstairs and it's just this amazing experience. You're sitting there, you have the fake smile if you get underwear. You have to, <laughs> I mean, my grandma used to do it all the time. And the funny thing was, uh, she would get, she'd drop off these care packages. Which they're like, when you turn 18, you don't get presents anymore. You get a care package, which is toilet paper, toothpaste, um, all the essentials you get when you're an adult and you're owning your own place. Mm -hmm. So I remember I turned 18 and I was like so ready for a care package. I was like, finally, I need some toilet paper, right? I need need this. (laughs) And she was like, oh, I don't do this anymore. I'm like, what? So like she did that, like she told me that I think the day before Christmas. So on Christmas day, I was like, I'm not getting a care package. I'm not getting anything. She rolls up. She had, she made her own care package. One just for me. It was this giant blue tub, the size of like a coffee table. And it was just filled with Tide Pods, all these types of things. And she was like, don't eat those now. And I'm like, I'm not, (laughs) I'm not going to do that. And she was like, but uh, she goes, here you go. Here's your care package. And it was, it was really interesting too, because like you get to see your dynamic change from wanting video games and wanting uh, toys, uh, you know, like the classic Ben 10 action figures I wanted back in the day, rock band, all mm. these types of things to like, oh, I need Tide Pods. I need deodorant. I need, you know, body spray. I need all these other types of things. So it's, it's a weird shift, but it still has that Christmas feeling in it. No, I, I'm right there with you. Uh, if I get clothes for Christmas, I find that more exciting than most anything else you could possibly get me for Christmas because uh, chances are I'm not going to go shopping for the clothes myself. Um, do you remember, like, all right, so did your family put, like, gifts from the family around the tree, you know, days leading up to Christmas, and then all of a sudden the presents would, like, double or triple in size when Santa Claus comes? So did y'all start putting family gifts around the tree before Christmas? Nope. No. Oh, if we had man. a grandparent or something, we'd toss one under there because they'd be over on Christmas Day. So it was like, oh, this is from us to them. So it's not Santa, but Santa was a big thing. I think oh, I okay. came down one time and I saw I don't want to say because if there's kids listening, I don't want to ruin that hope for them. <laughs> I remember when my hope was ruined. Um, I remember when the tooth fairy wasn't real. That one, I was I was devastated. I was. I saw my dad come in, put a reach under my pillow, and put a dollar under there. I was like, 
he's the tooth fairy. And I was like, there's no way. There's no way. He's an agent of the tooth fairy. That's what I thought, too. (laughs) Holy crap. Yeah, I was trying to convince myself maybe he's just helping out or maybe he was doing that. And I think at one point, like I was like 13. My dad was like, I'm I'm done with this shit. Like, (laughs) I remember one time he put 100 under there and he was pissed. Oh, I was like, I got a hundred dollars for my tooth. And you just saw my dad's face at the dinner table. Like, (gasps) what did I do? Was dad hitting the sauce a little bit before putting that money under there? Definitely. Um, well, I, I remember that Christmas presents would start semi piling up under the tree, uh, a few days leading up to Christmas. And we, as kids would go in there and obviously start shaking the presents around, trying to guess, What's in it and hoping that none of them are breakable or valuable because we're literally shaking the hell out of these gifts. So I do remember doing stuff like that at Christmas time. And I remember all the like the night before the cousins coming over and we're all having like a big sleepover in all the rooms and things like that. And nobody wanted to go to sleep. So there are I do have good Christmas memories. I just also remember the bad ones. And that's just what continues to put a bad taste in my mouth. Like a really bad sugar cookie. Yes. I don't like sugar cookies. You don't like sugar cookies? I don't like sugar cookies. And if you put sprinkles on it, I just don't. I'll I'll refuse to eat it. Uh, My little nephew made me sugar cookies. And I just looked at him. I was like, you can have these back. He just looked at me like, what? Like, you know, barely being able to really say words. But like, you see the like the weirdness in the face. Like, did what do you mean? You don't you don't want what I made you? And I'm just like, I don't want that. I don't want your crappy picture either. You broke my house. You broke my playhouse. <laughs> and now he's scarred for life. You get it. He hates Christmas. Wait till he <laughs> figures out Santa isn't who he thinks he is. <gasps> Ask my wife, Santa's real. When is a good age to tell them about that? I don't know, man. I think it's just something you kind of got to figure out on your own. My parents never like definitively told me, but it's something I figured out. You can't be 16 in school still thinking Santa's real. Then people are looking at you like, are you an idiot? Like, I remember in third grade, kids exposed that to me. I was like nine years old and kids are like, you know, Santa's not real. I'm like, shut up. You don't know what you're talking about. Santa's real. You don't know yet. It's like you get to notice how kids households, how they age differently. And that always brings up to the point, bringing it back to Fred Claus about the naughty or nice thing. Mm-hmm. All the kids that are all naughty. That's the reason why some households don't work out. I think I was about 10. Yeah. I was about 10 when I discovered that it wasn't a thing, um, but that's okay. I mean, like I said, I, it's more of a manipulation tool, but I do like, I kind of get the spirit of who St. Nick is and stuff like that. I mean, obviously, St. Nick is a real person. um, But the idea of Santa Claus, I I feel it's just a little overly manipulative. So we still we still do Santa Claus, obviously, because, like I said, we leave treats out for Santa Claus every year. Uh, A lot of the gifts are from Santa. Uh, This year, Santa's elves even gave the kids gifts. Uh, which was just, I had a bunch of extra bubble wrap from wrapping up gifts and stuff like that. So I put it in bags, said it's from uh, Santa's elves. They were cleaning up the workshop and thought the kids would have a blast with it. And sure enough, I think the kids like that more than most of the stuff we got them for Christmas. Um, Best Christmas gift you ever received? Best Christmas gift I ever received. I know. (laughs) Um... Best Christmas gift I think I ever received was, um, gosh, how old was I? I think it was like 11, 11 or 12, somewhere in there. I was in middle school. 
And I had asked my mom for a book. I asked for the Guinness Book of World Records. It was uh, it was 98. So yeah, I was in middle school. And she got it for me. I mean, the, I got it for Christmas. And I read that book almost every freaking day for a year. And I, I have no idea why I wanted it. I thought it was cool. All these different facts and stuff like that. And it, I wore that book out. In fact, I still have it, actually. It's up in the attic in one of my boxes of childhood things. But uh, I think that's the best Christmas gift I've ever gotten. How about you? Hmm, I would have to say uh, I got Rock Band one Christmas when I was like 15. I think it was mm-hmm. Rock Band 2. We got all the instruments in my family's a musician like background. My dad plays drums. My mom mm-hmm. plays guitar. My brother plays guitar. I played drums for a little bit in bass. Um, and I remember we're playing. I was playing with my dad at like midnight or something and uh you know he's playing on the drums and it's a kiss song that rolls up and my dad plays in a kiss tribute band Mm -hmm. so he starts hitting it like his drum set and he snapped the whole thing like the whole (laughs) thing just broke down i was like dude i just got this and he goes i'll buy another one and like at that point he just committed to like i'm sorry but also was like i rock too hard and then threw the drumsticks and then just walked out and i was like what Never apologize for rocking too hard. He didn't get it fixed until like a month later. I was like, what about that drum set, dude? And he's like, all right, man. All right. I, <laughs> I got you. I he got you. He would always take my drumsticks for rock band, too, because he would use them on his actual gigs and stuff. So he'd be like, I have to get you a new pair. I'm like, all right. <laughs> um, let's circle this back around to uh, Fred Claus real quick. So what... What, how would you rate this? How would you rate this plot? What? How do you feel about the plot of this movie? I know we've kind of talked about it here and there throughout the last fifty or so minutes, but overall, how, how would you rate this movie as an would, entire story? I would rate the movie on an eight scale, definitely like a either an eight or like a seven point five. I would rate mm-hmm. the plot like a solid seven solid Mm -hmm. eight i think the plot was pretty good i think um they rushed a lot of the story it seemed like it probably should have went on a little bit longer uh i think it was just a great twist on the average santa claus movie i like the other perspective of it um Mm -hmm. definitely thought there were some things they probably should have discussed a little further maybe had some more bonding moments would have been nice but I think at the ending, like you get to see him turn the power back on and, you know, try and deliver all those presents. Like what's the easiest thing we can make baseball bats and hula hoops. And like (laughs) having that happen was like a pretty cool thing. So at least everybody still got a gift. I think that was just the important thing is like, it didn't matter what it was as long as it was something. I mean, even with my Christmas experience last year of like, I didn't want anything and then got a bunch of stuff that I couldn't use. It was still like, at least you thought, you know, at least you cared. And Mm -hmm. I think, even having those moments too are you're pretty nice. And then breakfast on Christmas morning is pretty nice too. Yeah, yeah, we do. Like I said, I like to cook, so definitely go all out for Christmas morning breakfast. Mine's me trying to eat like a breakfast sandwich at the same time while opening up like my presents or doing something. Like I'll be trying to use one of like – I remember when I was a kid like heating up a bagel and then just sitting down trying to play with my tech decks and open it. So I'm like halfway eating a bagel at the same time trying to flip a tech deck. <laughs> she's like just do one i'm like i can't i gotta i gotta play with this and also nourish myself i can't just starve all day we definitely do the whole you have to eat first before you open up gifts because especially with my kids getting them to eat is usually a challenge so 
we tell them if they want to open manipulate if they want to open up gifts they have to eat something first so we always do breakfast and then roll into gifts christmas time it's christmas cheer time for toys and time for beer i was about to say those aren't the words but i really like yours better <laughs> i thought that's what the words were it's like i didn't know you, that- you got some of the words they were out of order <laughs> It's like I didn't know the words to Outcast the song Hey Ya. I didn't know what he was really saying. But if you actually listen to the acoustic version of that song, you realize how deep it actually is. It's about like somebody going through a drug overdose. It's like, oh, my God. I just blew your mind, didn't I? Yeah, I mean, can can you just see the atomic cloud coming off my head right now? Said my baby don't mess around because she loves me so. And it goes deep about her cheating and then uh-huh. a drug overdose. I'm Maybe actually going to have to go look up the lyrics now. Dude, I'll send you the acoustic version. You'll be so happy. I think it, if we look at all the Christmas songs, which ones could have been done better? I'm like, yeah, the Alvin of the Chipmunks for sure. But like Jingle Bells, chestnuts roasting on an open fire. I set my whole damn house on fire. I think that would be so much better. Oh, yeah, it's a lot of truth to it, too. Uh, house fires tend to happen a lot more around Christmas time. Whoa. Who has a chimney anymore? Let's just turn the thermostat. No, it's not even the chimney. It's the it's the trees. I remember I figured out how to work a wood stove at my grandparents' house. Wow, that's actually a skill not a lot of people have. I threw 30 logs of wood in that thing, and next thing you know, we're all in the house dying. Like, ah, it's fucking hot. It's hot. I'm yeah. like, we're all burning. I'm burning, I'm burning, I'm burning. How big of a stove was it that you threw 30 logs in it? It's a pretty nice stove, man. I mean, I wouldn't call them huge logs. I'd call them like little, like, you know, when you have like, you go to the bathroom, you get those little rabbit turds. It's like those types types of logs. My my grandpa's like, you're going to set the house on fire. I'm like, it's hot. He's like, yeah. He's like, there's no way to cool it down. We just have to wait. And I was like, oh, God. But open a window. We did, but it's still hot. <laughs> uh, it was hot and smelled like old Dalmatians. Speaking <laughs> old Dalmatians, <laughs> that's very specific. Because they had Dalmatians, and I swear to God, that scent. My cousin went there. They haven't had Dalmatians in probably 10 years. My cousin just went there the other day uh, to help out with some of the yard work, like cut logs and stuff, and he smelled like Dalmatian. I'm like, you smell like Dalmatian? He goes, how do you know what a Dalmatian smells like? I was like, I know what a freaking Dalmatian smells like. They had 13 of them at one point. That wow, that's a lot. Did yeah. they ever have a brown spotted one? No, they were all black and white. Uh, different um, spots in different locations, though, like hose in different area codes. There you go. Uh, I did think of another Christmas song, though. I absolutely despise, but it's my wife's favorite, so I try to just grin and bear it. So, honey, if you're listening to this one, I'm sorry. I want a hippopotamus for Christmas. You know what I'm talking about? Nope. I want a hippopotamus for Christmas. Never heard of that one. Oh. YouTube it. We have a stuffed hippopotamus that is put out as a Christmas decoration every year. You squeeze its little hand, it starts singing that damn song. Oh my god, getting a board game for Christmas. I have seen yes. my little nephew, um, not the one I was telling you about. Uh, there's another one. He's, he's probably 14 now. But when he was probably like 4 or 5, I was probably like 15 or something. He got Candyland for Christmas. 
And it Great was game. one of those things where he stayed up all Christmas Eve night trying to stay up for Christmas Day because he just couldn't go to sleep. So he, when he did go to sleep, it was like 11 Christmas Day and he was still sleeping. We're like, we got to wake him up and get him his presents or something. Like people are all over. It's time. So we woke him up and he's in one of those deep sleeps. Like, uh, like you know, like the ones where he wants to go back to bed. He doesn't care about presents. And mm-hmm. he comes out and sits and he's all like upset, like about to throw a hissy fit. And um, he opens up the first present. It's fucking Candyland. And he lost his shit. He picked it up, threw it, started screaming, I don't want Candyland. I'm like, damn, it's just Candyland. I told, him to get, I told you to get him Parcheesi. <laughs> Didn't want Candyland. Candyland's a great game. So whenever I see that game, I'm always like, I remember that? And he's just like, yeah, I remember. And I was like, you were so upset. You chucked that thing at Grandma. Wow. Be grateful for what you get. <laughs> Uh, no we did board games uh we got board games as kids too uh my favorite one was risk you ever play risk nope oh man i lived in a uh normal household what's not normal about risk a game of war and strategy life's full of risk why would i want to play a game based on it about world domination I think battleship was a better representation of what i wanted to do with my life you know working on a ferry (laughs) <laughs> I was in the Navy and I don't even want to play Battleship. I don't even want to think about that dumbass movie. Do you ever see Battleship? No. Are we going to do a movie review on that one? No. Let's try to get this back to Fred Claus. I, I figured we talked about so many movies, like 101 Dalmatians has been involved already. It's like, holy crap. I well, like we- I said, this is more morphed into a Christmas movie talk versus just a singular movie. But then it's kind of not even a Christmas movie talk. It's just a Christmas talk, which, hey. This is fun. a Christmas movie podcast in July, and we talk about one of the unordinary Christmas, Christmas. movies known as Fred Claus that really does doesn't get a lot of i mean we could have easily did a christmas story we could have easily did 101 dalmatians we could have easily did any of the christmas movies on netflix but we decided to do fred claus because that movie did not get a lot of credit of what happened in 2007 um i think it was really underrepresented i think that if we brought it back today it would probably get twice as much view and become way more popular than when it came out back then but to each is their own tis the season and all of that garbage um You'll shoot your eye out. Are you going to still <laughs> post this one, even though we just talked about Christmas memories? Yeah, I'll still post this one. I'll say, uh, I'll call it something, and then parentheses, oh, and Fred Claus. Say tis the season and all that. That's a yeah, good title. Go. All right, hashtag to anybody still listening. I want to. I want you to think of a good Christmas moment in your life, and then... When you think of it, I want you to mail it to Santa Claus. Or you can leave it in the comment section where we can actually see it. Because if you literally thought your letter was actually going to Santa, you might be dumber than a fifth grader. We have a magic mailbox that sits on our kitchen counter. And I make the kids write letters to Santa every year. No, I have saved every single letter. It stayed so, like it come Christmas time when I put this mailbox away, I keep the letters all inside there. And then when we when we redecorate for Christmas, I pull the letters out, put them in a little bag and I just make sure they stay safe. So they put letters in this mailbox and then overnight letters reappear from Santa thanking them for because I want them to understand that it's not just writing to Santa in hopes that something's going to happen. 
Uh, I want to take the manipulation out of it. I want them to think that, you know, Santa is there listening or reading everything they have to say, acknowledging them and things like that. So and, when, you know, kind of create a little relationship. When are you going to tell the them that, um, you know, show them the letters when they get older? They're like, oh, your letters actually never got sent. So then they're just going to have uh, it. When I drop them off at college, I'm going to hand them a bag full of stuff and say, a lot of the things from your childhood is a lie. So have fun. to hate the UPS guy. Yes. How does Santa get those letters? If you guys are mailing it, does that mean the Polar Express takes them in? That's another movie reference. I've cracked eight of these movie references, and none of them are done with Fred Claus. Boom. Congratulations. It makes me upset because I was going to mention freaking polar express earlier and i decided not to ah that movie uh that's recently because i saw that movie for the first time last year your silence is kind of unnerving yeah i mean now i know why you hate christmas your childhood was pretty messed up (laughs) i saw that movie for the first time last year because uh my son's kindergarten class they were gonna uh as part of their Christmas thing, they we had to build little uh, train cars out of boxes, and they had to take it in, and they were going to sit down and watch Polar Express. Well, my, my son's got some sensory issues, so we needed to make sure that he would be able to sit through the movie without having like a little freak out from like loud noises or stuff like that. So we had to buy the movie, and we all sat down, and like none of us had seen this movie before. So we all sat down, and we watched this movie. I will say it's a little, it's a little weird because the animation did not age well. The CGI did not age well at all, but it is a fun movie, and it has a really it has a really good message to it. So oh, I will watch that. You know, one. another good our uh, good uh, Christmas movie is Harry Potter. Good Harry, good Harry Potter. Potter movie on Christmas. <laughs> Which movie? Whichever are you one where to? they get the car and they get the sweater and they get all that on Christmas. I think so. so. The first one. I don't remember. They all blend together. Yeah. Yeah, they get um, Harry's gotten presents, and he's never got presents before outside of like a coat hanger and things like that. So the fact that everybody's like in a that presents, coat hanger was Molly way Weasley, too late, you know what I mean? Yeah, seriously, uh, I do. I, I love that one, except the fact that I guess in the UK they say Happy Christmas, which bothers me. But you know, we each have our own little traditions, I guess, region to region. We say Merry Christmas, they say Happy Christmas. Fragile. Must be Italian. Uh, but I, I. It's a prestigious award. It's a prestigious like. award. It is. Hey, Name I five Christmas one. movies. Go. Okay. Can I name movies we've already named, or do I have to name? If you want to be fresh cheap, ones? you can name the ones we've already named. <laughs> All right. Uh, Home Alone. Uh, one of my favorites. I am going to name another one we've already named: Santa Claus. Uh, Let's see, Christmas movies, Christmas movies. Um, Die Hard. Um, I like the uh, old claymation ones, like uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Um, Santa Claus Meister is coming to town. Cons, bro. The little mm-hmm. Meister guy. Meister yeah. Burger. There's a guy I podcast with his his podcast called Meister Chondriacs, and that's what they used to call each other as kids. 
like a comic <laughs> podcast. He used Meister to be like, podcast. you're the Meister Khan, bro. And they got it from the, the McMeister burger, those little claymation things. I remember the song. You got to put one foot in front of the, in other. Front of the other. You'll be yep. walking out the door. I, I I really do enjoy those. So yeah, those are Christmas movies. All right, so five Christmas you movies like of yours. Four. Go. Oh shit! No. Um. Just sad. Why is this so freaking hard? Sad, sad um. Day. Black Christmas. What is Black Christmas? You've never seen Black Christmas? No. It's a horror movie. It's about a serial killer that basically starts killing people on Christmas. Oh my god. It's not a Christmas movie. It's just a horror movie on Christmas. <laughs> well, All right, so my, my heart's turn. not a Christmas movie either, but is that it's my a Christmas turn? movie. Yes, it's your turn. Go. I'm going to mention 101 Dalmatians because I love that movie. Okay. Krampus, because you mentioned a horror movie, so I have to mention that. Okay, good one. Then I'm going to say... Oh, I had a couple in my head, too. The Night Before is a good Christmas movie with Seth Rogen. It's a bit of a comedy. Oh, um, damn. I have another one. Go. Then I'm going to say... Hmm. I, had a, I had one in my head, but I forgot it. Oh, yeah. The Grinch. Which one? Uh, the first one. Jim Carrey. Okay. The Grinch Who Stole Christmas. It's a good one. And then I would have to say my last one, but not least Christmas movie would have to be The Interview. With James Franco and Seth Rogen? Yeah, I'm very familiar with the It came movie. out on Christmas. I'm about to say, how is that a Christmas movie? All their movies, they always come out around Christmas time. Sausage Fest came out actually in November. But, but does, does it that was, make it a Christmas movie? I call it. It comes out around Christmas time. It's a movie <laughs> I saw around Christmas time. Lord of the Rings came out around Christmas time. Is it a Christmas movie? I guess so. There's a lot of <laughs> snow on the field. Um, I thought of another movie, Jingle All the Way. That one with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sinbad. Oh, yeah, that's a good that's What's a great the one. one on Netflix right now that's really good? The one on Netflix. Right oh my now God, how are we forgetting the best Christmas movie of all time, The Night Before Christmas? The Nightmare Before Christmas? Yes. Yes. Oh, that was the movie that I thought of when I said, oh, I thought of another one, but then Jingle All the Way came into my head, too. Uh, Nightmare Before Christmas is an absolutely phenomenal movie, and it plays on two different levels. It's a Christmas movie, and it's a Halloween movie. In this town we call home, we all hail to the pumpkin song. La, 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 la. I tried to get my son to watch, my oldest to watch that uh, this last year, and I don't think he's ready for it. I never watched it until I was older, but I watched bits and pieces when I was a kid. My buddy really loved that movie, and I would always fall asleep like in a quarter of it. I also have never seen The Matrix all the way through because I keep falling asleep. So whenever I watch Matrix, I think it's like 12 hours long. How do you fall asleep during The Matrix? I always, I'm an insomniac, so I watch movies really late at night. Well, watch it during the day while you're wide awake. I'll be taking, I take a nap. Like, this is my nap time right now. It's the middle of the <laughs> oh, day. Oh, I'm keeping you from your nap. I want my milk and cookies. Um, ah, fall asleep during the Matrix. Wow. I love that movie. Fell asleep in that one. And I haven't, I don't think I've ever seen 
Yeah, I've never seen a full Lord of the Rings. I've seen bits and pieces. Oh, Robbie, I don't know how we're friends. Narnia um, is a Christmas movie. Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory is a Christmas movie. Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory is not a Christmas movie. It is snowing out. There's old people dying in bed. It is perfect. It's... <laughs> There's... I don't even know which of those two arguments to tackle first. If you've listened all the way to the ending of this movie, please leave a comment on this podcast episode suggesting is Charlie and the Chocolate Factory a Christmas movie? It, takes it is place. not a Christmas There's movie. There's snow on the ground. There's <laughs> chocolate, which is involved in the holiday. Edward Scissorhands has snow on the ground. Is that a Christmas movie? Did they show Christmas in the movie? Yes. Okay, then it's a Christmas movie. So is Iron Man 3 a Christmas movie? It can be if they had Christmas in it. Don't look at me like that. <laughs> you guys decide what makes a Christmas movie. Is The Long that. Kiss Goodnight a Christmas movie? No, but Die Hard's a Christmas movie that has nothing to do with Christmas. Die Hard is, well, it takes place at Christmas time, but... There you go. Well, All that's why I said Die I Hard is suggest- a Christmas movie. What's I listed it as my Christmas movie. You don't, yeah, but I just named a bunch of stuff that happened around Christmas time and involved in it, and it, you said no to all those. So <laughs> how is Die Hard then? All right, I win the argument. You see that, people? Everything unfolds. Ah. I got you at a standstill on your own podcast. Look at that. The powers of perception, people. Comment, what's your favorite? I'm retiring now. This is the final episode. What's your favorite Christmas movie that's not really a Christmas movie but happens to do with a piece of Christmas? That's a very that's the, deep question. That's the question for the audience. we got to leave it to them to decide. Leave Beauty your and the reviews Beast. in the bottom. Text your answers in now at 555-SLAYBELLS. Um, you can email our P.O. box, North Pole dash strip club powers dash fake location dash santa is real dash dot org yeah because we're not dash dot org dash dot org you got you got to get that last dash in there or else you're going to a fake website we're yeah the dot org because we're non-profit i like it we're not dot com pieces do you do that thing at Christmas time where you uh, you uh, log into NORAD's website and they do the Santa tracker? Do you ever do that? No, because I'm not an idiot, and I never had a computer when I was a kid. So we had one computer in the whole house when I was like 12, and then I eventually got in a lot of trouble. Did you have to it. use MS-DOS commands to start it up? No, but it was like when you turned it on, it was like AOL. Oh. <laughs> Kids it's these like, days will never understand. Fuck, it's one in the morning. I'm trying to watch porn on Christmas Eve. I can't do this. Delete your history, people. Delete your history. Um, You ever seen that Bo Burnham song where he talks about the rehab for fictional characters and it comes to Saint Nick? I love Bo Burnham, so yes. Hey, I'm Santa Claus. I'm the king of snow. I hate my wife because so she is a ho That's what I was listening to before I got into the podcast. I... Mr. I Bo love Burnham. Bo Burnham. He is such a funny guy. He's a little out there, but I remember uh, when I was I in the Navy, I'd be sitting on watch on YouTube, watching his videos, just laughing my ass off. This little kid, he taught himself to play guitar, piano, and everything just so he could do these funny songs and videos. This is the part of the podcast where we it gets cut out, I feel like. Nah, I'll leave this in here. Bo, if you're yeah. listening, 
You are loved. I reached out to him. Hopefully he gets see I reached out to him too. He hasn't gotten back to me. He doesn't do interviews. He's like M. Night Shyamalan. M. Night Shyamalan did one interview like freaking, what do you call it? Norm MacDonald's show was 30 minutes and that was like seven years ago before Norm MacDonald went to jail. Norm MacDonald. There's a name you haven't heard in forever. Guys, this was an episode about Fred Claus. We did talk about it a little bit, but now we've really just enjoyed going down memory lane talking about christmas different christmas movies and stuff like that robbie it was an absolute blast thank you so much for coming on the show again and uh indulging this grandma got ran over by a reindeer well i guess that's better than mama kissing santa claus rudolph was hit by a 747 airliner and the song goes the rudolph in spain was hit mainly by the plane And on that note, I think it's time in, to end it. <laughs> tune in to the next. This is like the ending credits, like in the movies where you just sit down yeah. and wait an extra 10 minutes until the end where there's like an extra scene. <laughs> uh, all right, guys. So until next time, thank you for joining us on this Christmas in July special episode. And uh, but I'll see you at the movies. All right, guys, so welcome to a special bonus edition of Chuck Goes to the Movies, where I'm being joined again by Rob from Out of the Blank Podcast. Rob, how are you doing today? Buenos dias. Buenos dias, indeed. It is a good day here, actually. It's a little warm, but you wouldn't know that I'm wearing a sweater because it's It's fucking freezing in my house. Then seven days of hell. My AC is broken in my room. It is 96 degrees in there. So trying to sleep last night was like wearing a wool sweater that's two sizes too small. Damn. Well, I'm sorry that you have to see me wearing a sweater because it's legit like a meat locker in this room. I don't know what it is. No matter what I set the AC at, this particular room is always freezing. I'd rather be super cold than super hot. I agree. I absolutely agree because you can always put on more clothes. Exactly. In the wise words of my grandfather, if it's too cold, put on another sweater. I'm like, I'm wearing three. (laughs) Well, today we're just going to talk movies. No particular movie, no particular filmmaker, no particular actor. We just want to talk movies for a little bit and give you all a little bit of break from our normal format here. So, Rababa, since this was your idea for us to sit down and talk movies, why don't you launch us into the first thing you would like to talk about? I would like to talk about movies in general, mostly what they mean, some of the most memorable ones to us, experiences, and also who do we like in movies? Who do we want to go see when a trailer pops up? Uh, What Mm -hmm. gets you about a trailer? I feel like um, I could have some thoughts that aren't very good on the trailer aspect of things, considering that every trailer that we see nowadays gives you the whole fucking movie. I know it's awful. Uh, if I, although it is kind of nice too, because if a trailer gives you the whole movie and you're just like, "Well, I just saw this whole movie. This sucks. I'm not going to pay to go see it. I've just saved some money." But I still miss the intrigue of a trailer. It's supposed to entice you just enough give you just enough to want to see more not give you the whole damn plot well it sounds like it gives you everything and then it gives you either nothing so it's Mm -hmm. like we're going to show you everything that is going to be good in this film so it's going to sneak you into watching it and then it's going to be like the opposite way where it's like we're going to show you literally nothing to the point where you won't even want an interest into the movie oh that could backfire or go either way really um i think the best part about COVID, the only bright side of it was the fact that we might be able to see drive-through movies again. 
and at least in some major places like my town is, hasn't had this forever i remember when our we had a oh man so there's this place called fox theaters that was like a place we used to go to all the time when i was a kid it's where i saw lady in the water it was where i saw like all these amazing movies and then it just shut down and we didn't have a movie theater for years at that spot we had to go all the way in town and go to like this one that ended up getting recliners which was like a big thing for us because i mean Honestly, I like the recliner scenario, but it's really awkward. But I really enjoy um, the old school style stuff, man. I liked it when you would just look around the theater, see barely anybody in there, and you'd go for the handicap <laughs> seats. I mean, I hate being that guy, but like my grandpa, he's like, that was a big thing when I was a kid, was going to the movies with my grandparents. And we would walk into the theater and he'd look around. I remember we saw, um, like, for instance, Death at a Funeral. And he goes, oh, handicap seats are open and i'm like yeah but we're not handicapped because let me tell you something there's nothing wrong about blending in the details a little bit i'm like what do you mean blending in the details he's like i am above the age of 60 i got a senior discount on my ticket i can fake being crippled i'm like no you can't your legs work we don't have a wheelchair or a cane he's like watch this he starts doing a limp down the aisle i'm like okay so then we sit down you know we're in the handicap seats but it's amazing because you get the extra leg room i mean i think theaters are are really what i would call an unseen kind of enjoyment in life when it comes to that nobody really cares that they can now that they can get it on their tv you know like Oh, the comfort of my own home. But I'm like, but it's the experience. It definitely is the experience. However, I feel like the experience has become more of a hassle than a real enjoyment lately. I mean, I love going to the movie theaters. Don't get me wrong. I love seeing movies on the big screen. But I am definitely not thrilled with ticket prices lately. I mean, they've gone up so much since I was a kid. I mean, and just... Now you have to pick and choose your seats before you even buy your tickets and stuff like that. They're just making a huge hassle out of going to the movies, and it's just not a whole lot of fun anymore. And while those recliner seats are nice, I'm with you. I miss just the old-style seating where you just walk into a movie theater, you pick out your seats, and you sit there in that like halfway uncomfortable stadium chair and sit through a two-hour movie. With the recliner seats, I find myself trying to fall asleep a little bit more often because now my legs are propped up, I'm leaned back, I'm full of popcorn, and I'm ready to take a nap. And that has happened to me several times. So I just took a very expensive nap at the movie theater. So you don't really prefer the recliners? I I, I could live without them. I'm not against them because they definitely are a more comfortable seat while you're sitting through a two, three-hour movie. But I've, I find myself to be a little too comfortable, I guess. I feel like it wouldn't be me going to the movies if, or should we say Chuck going to the movies, if um, it was something bad did not happen. Okay. I mean, at the movie theater, something has always happened, whether it was a crying baby, whether it was just people screaming really loud, yelling at the, at the screen or something, being on their phone. It upsets me because like, I just went before the whole shutdown and everything i went with my buddy and we saw the movie uh with uh, chris evans i think it's the clue or oh um clue? knives out knives out yeah. yes it was based on the movie clue basically it's like a murder mystery who okay. killed the Joe's benjamin button in the bookcase with a briefcase and a and a box of shit but um 
like when we went to go see that movie, we we're all sitting down. And he's the type of guy that's like, we got to reserve seats. We got to reserve seats. I'm like, dude, let's just go there and find what they have. Oh, please. You know, I want the best seats. I want the best seats right in the middle. I was like, okay. So he reserves it like two days in advance. Next thing you know, we go there. I mean, he's paying, so I'm not really complaining a whole lot. But we get and sit down in the seats. I get a broken fucking recliner. <laughs> Everyone else is in the recline position. This movie theater is packed. I'm the only guy not in the recline position. So I look like the asshole. I'm trying to explain to people like, wow, I would get the broken recliner. And then some dude try to take my cup holder i fought for that thing like it was colonel mustard's last stand bro i was on it like this is my territory we're not sharing this is this this is where i'm staking my claim i put my drink right in there and everyone's nobody buys movie theater snacks anymore which is insane because like that was a thing when i was a kid my like me and my grandpa because they're so damn expensive yeah why don't they lower the prices they're not that like nobody's going to buy if i mean besides the popcorn because i don't know what it is when i walk into a movie theater and i smell popcorn it's just like oh my god and it's also the salt they put on it that special salt is the shit i want to know the guy who gets like nachos at a movie theater hey hey hey! all right so i used to work at the movie theater and my favorite snack to get was the nachos because the nachos were awesome you don't have napkins or anything yeah you do wait you get napkins when you get popcorn you, why no why no that's not what happens what happens is you grab your nachos and as you're walking by where the drink fountains are or the little soda fountain things there's a, th- a little table where you can put extra condiments onto your food you can get your supplies get your straws and get your, also what do you call them they don't they don't put the cheese over there because they are like no we're going to give you a certain amount but i know then you grab the napkins if you're a prepared person and for me i was never that type of guy i was like i don't want to waste another minute trying to set up my time to have a better experience i just want to go into the movie theater but like i miss the kid that used to sit out in front of the thing and rip your ticket in half and i'm like yeah i have all my tickets from every single movie i've been to since like 2007 a lot of the times just me and my buddy going but i should have did it when i was a kid collecting them just to look back on and kind of like i put them up on my wall or put them in like the little card sleeve holders that you put like an expensive ass like Yu-Gi-Oh card in like you got yeah. a blue eyes white dragon in that bitch but um i remember when i wasn't working um during the winter, I was just like, I had a bunch of money. I was just working out. was really bored. So I was just ordering dumb stuff off like wish.com where they got like the, the gimp masks and all those weird ass things you see on there. But like, no, I was just ordering like dumb stuff like Yu-Gi-Oh cards and all these other things that I had as a kid that I didn't really have a whole lot of time to play with because they ended up getting sold. Um, so I ordered a bunch of Yu-Gi-Oh cards and some dude put in a movie ticket from like the very first Yu-Gi-Oh film that was ever in theaters from like 2002. And it was like in a card sleeve holder and it was so old. You could barely read the stuff on it. But I was like, wow, this is cool. It's a good idea to start collecting your tickets. And I'm like, I think that's what the whole experience is about is you want to have that night where you go out to the movies. You either have a good time or a bad time, but it's so memorable compared to when you watch it in your house. I feel like, the experience is lost. Like you watch a movie, let's say like bird box, or if you ordered knives out at home, you're not going to freaking remember the whole, everything that went on that night, unless you're getting laid, it's just going to be the fact of like, yeah, I remember I saw that movie. Well, where's the rest of the experience? Where's the whole like, Oh yeah. I remember we went to the movie theaters. We couldn't find parking. And then some old guy tried to fight me because I was in the handicap seats. Like you don't, you don't have those stories to tell. Granted, I I can agree with that to a point, but there's still memorable moments of being able to watch a movie at home, too. So, like, I can remember the movie Hidden Figures. We watched that at home, and I remember that night very vividly because it was not too long after 
we had uh, found out that we were pregnant with our second child, and uh, we had just found out the sex of the baby, actually, and hadn't told her parents yet, and her parents went out to this fancy dinner, and they were dropping by afterwards to bring us dessert and stuff like that, and that we got to tell them that night when they dropped by, you know, hey, we're, you're getting another grandson and stuff like that, so you can have those memorable, so every time I watch Hidden Figures, that's what I think of, so you can have those memorable experiences at home. Are they far and fewer in between? Sure. But unless you're saying like unless you're banging all the time and you're having kids left and right, then you're yeah, okay, I can see where your point is, but I don't see it from the factor of watching a regular ass movie, you know, with your your family or whatever for the first time. It's just gonna be like, Oh yeah, we watched that movie together. Do you remember every detail of that night? <laughs> you only remember the detail of that night because of the fact of you had a kid or you were telling somebody that you were having a kid and, and then bam, links into your head. But like every time I go to the movies, I can remember every single one. Maybe for you, it's a little bit hard because you worked at a movie theater, but I'm like, I remember all the experiences. I remember why I think the more of the experience of made the movie even better. Like I'm pretty sure I would not love I am legend as much as I do today. If I didn't go see it in the theater. Mostly because that whole night turned into some catastrophic mess that now I just remember that movie forever. I wish I remembered parts of that movie. I was drunk watching it at the theater. See? I need to probably sit down and rewatch it someday. Here's the problem with selling alcohol in movie theaters. Oh, no. What I get upset about. I, we snuck that in. That was a bottle of E&J. I understand that, but if you notice how now theaters sell alcohol, it's like you don't want a drunk rambling person yelling at the screen. There should be like a limit. Like, sir, you're too drunk to drive. Okay, I'm going to go watch a film. You're also too drunk to see this film. <laughs> you're too drunk to watch movies. You need a breathalyzer before. <laughs> that's what the ticket guy can do. Just breathalyze people. So I probably had, I was probably one of those obnoxious drunk people in a movie theater before. So before I went to go. You seem like it. Yeah. You got like a up demons in you. Uh, I, I, I've been. You're too normal, Chuck. I've been known to not be a nice person when I get too drunk. In fact, I've started a few fights before. But um, I noticed last night you were sending me all these DMs of like, oh please, fists. please. Uh huh. Just sent me one of a ham sandwich. I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> um. But uh, uh, before we went to go see Paranormal Activity, my friend Aaron and I. Uh, it was at the theater down at Universal Studios in Orlando, Florida. So uh, they had a bar right outside, and I was drinking these butterbeer drinks because they were advertising the new... Uh, they had just announced Harry Potter World was going to be built or something like that, so they were doing all these big promotions for it. And so I'm just downing these butterbeers like they're nothing, but it's alcoholic. And I'm sitting in the middle of the theater during par while everybody else is screaming. I'm just like the guy pointing at the screen, laughing like, ha ha, what a fucking moron. Ha ha. Yeah. So I was probably that drunk guy that you hate. What's your worst movie experience? Like whatever you did that you went to, like whatever movie you saw, I know you got to remember every detail about it that made it such a bad experience. My worst movie experience was Hunger Games. So I, I'm a huge fan of the Hunger Games books. Uh, the movies, not so much. But, you know, I was excited to go see the Hunger Games movie. So my wife and I got midnight showing tickets and we went to go see it. And that's the problem with going to go see a young adult movie is that there is a shit ton of young adults there and there were like teenagers there and stuff like that everybody was fucking obnoxious they were loud um i swear to god there were 
people behind us having sex. I'm not 100% sure what was happening in that theater, but it was the most distracting movie I've ever sat through. And I, I actually, when it came out on Blu-ray, I had to buy it just to sit down and watch it again to get the full experience because I, it was just not a good movie going experience. And I made that decision. That was the last midnight movie aside from Yeah, so aside from Star Wars Episode Seven, I I haven't gone to see a midnight movie after that bad experience. I think my worst experience was probably watching Spider-Man. Which one? The very first one with Tom Holland. Oh, okay, okay. So when I went to the theater, and my buddy's a giant Spider-Man freak, so whenever he sees me, he's like, Tom! I'm like, no. No, we're not playing this game today. We're not doing this at all. And he's like, but you look. And I was like, I understand. I understand. You're his stunt double. No, shut up. I hate Tom. <laughs> Almost as much as I don't like Jerry Seinfeld. It's not that I don't like him. I just don't want to sit through anything he does. Have you ever seen Onward? I have. I about to say he's not in it. He just voices it. So you don't have to see him. David sends me pictures of Tom Holland with his shirt off. For some reason, he has a lot of them. Well, David's a very interesting guy. He's an amazing guy. Shout out to David. We love you. Yes, David. You're awesome. But um, watching, like, we watch Spider-Man, and I mean, I'm always the type of guy, I'll hold the P the whole entire time. And when I get one of those. when I get done, I am, like, out of the theater. Like, no extra credits for me. My buddy's got to sit down and watch the thing. So he's, like, way behind me as we're getting out of this packed theater of people. I'm in front of everyone just, like, shoving old people down on the ground. Like, I need to go to the bathroom. And then I, <laughs> the movie theater got a remodel that happened. So the bathroom I always knew was on to the right. So it's like when you go into a place for so long, you're so comfortable. It's like you just know everything is. You just start doing everything on autopilot. So I ran into the bathroom. And as I go into the bathroom, there's nothing but stalls. And there's a bunch of girls just powdering themselves or whatever, fixing their hair in the mirror. And I just walk. I mean, not just in the door. I'm like, you have to go around a corner. As soon as you go in, I went in all the way around the corner, started walking, went and put my hand on the stall, opened it up to go to the bathroom. And I looked around. I was like, there's a lot more stalls than I remember i was like i know guys have to shit but not this much and all the girls just looked at me like with their mouth open and i was like oh i'm in the girls bath." and i said it out loud like oh i'm in the girls bathroom we're all in here together isn't this weird and i'm like slowly backing up <laughs> out of there and my buddy just like with his like as soon as i open back up the door to walk out he's literally like astonished face and then he just starts rolling on the floor fucking laughing and everyone's just looking at me like he walked in the wrong bathroom i was like yeah it's weird and i just went around the corner went right into the men's room and i unloaded on that toilet all my anxieties came out. You know, in some places, you would have been uh, labeled a sexual predator for going into the women's bathroom. I should have just gender identified. There you go. As freaking you identify as a female. Could have pulled that stun out. Yeah. Well, I mean, all you needed to I do was, was pee. Jeez. It, why don't we all just share a bathroom? I feel like girls take bigger poops than guys do at times. Have you ever seen? <laughs> have you ever seen the movie Not Another Teen Movie? No. I oh not. my gosh, you should watch that because there's a scene that specifically talks about that well look now if i have to ask you what's your best movie experience <clears throat> my best movie experience i would have to say was the night that me and all my friends went to go see harry potter and the sorcerer's stone so you know anybody who knows me i've talked about it many times i am a huge harry potter fan and my friends and I, we went, 
and the theater was packed. There was not an empty seat anywhere in this theater. We got there so early that we were fir- like almost first in line. This was before reserved seating, and we got the perfect seats. The reason it was such a great experience is because everybody was there, and we had all had one thing in common. We wanted to see this movie. The energy was high. Everybody was having a great time. And then when the movie started, it was silence. Not any, nobody made a peep. Cell phones were put away. Um, everything. It was. I really wish every movie-going experience was more like that one. And then I have a very close second. Uh, so when I was in college first time around uh my friend aaron and i we skipped school a lot and so we ended up skipping class one day and we went to go see uh the movie pride and prejudice with kira knightley in it um we were the only people in the theater like there was nobody else in theater so we actually could sit there and kind of like heckle throughout the whole thing and not have to worry about annoying anybody and stuff like that so that was a fun movie going experience too i would highly recommend if you have a theater to yourself with you and a buddy Treat it like it's Mystery Science Theater 3000. Have a blast. What about you? What's your best movie-going experience? I have two. One was more of a mind-blown one, and then the second one was more of like, it was just an amazing time when I was like a kid. Okay. So I won't, the second one, I'm going to say first. I went with my dad to go see Beat the Robinsons. And we're like, oh, it's close to our last name. Might as well go see it. Like, oh, it's going to be interesting. And um, we we got there. We were way late. Like, I mean, previews were just ending then. So the movie was just starting. So technically, some people, that's early. Mm-hmm. Um, we ha- only had to sit all the way in the back. And it was like, oh, this is going to be crap. We're all the way back here. But so it just looked like a normal TV. It wasn't like that. It, I think that's better than sitting all the way up front because that's really hard to do. I did that when I saw the movie Up. Oh, my God. It, what a neck pain, honestly. Yeah, Dude, I mean, you're just like, you can have a seizure quick because yeah. <laughs> you got to like you basically find a spot on the screen and keep your eyes on that spot. Cause if you try and look left to right and left to right, I also saw purge up front. That was just too nah, much. No, no, no. Yeah. That's way too much of a movie to be sitting in the front row for. I was like the day I got late when I saw purge. So that might be a good experience hey. too. But, um, what do you call it? Uh, so I was sitting all the way in the back. Um, and, me and my dad were sitting there watching this movie and like throughout the whole thing, I really didn't understand it because I was such a kid, but just to see like his enjoyment of him looking back at me, like, Oh, we're all the way in the back of these like movies. But it was the same thing. Like, do you need anything? It felt like he was just catering to me the whole time, which was really, really nice. Cause I was a little kid. I mean, we barely ever get to go to the movies. So it's something special, mm-hmm. but I mean, besides my King Kong experience, I told yeah. you about where it was like, yeah, but um, I, th- I have to say probably, that movie just like even when it comes on now meet the robinsons i'll watch it on netflix or something i'll immediately just like think like when i was a kid going to the movies with my dad seeing dark knight seeing all these other types of things it was just that movie was he made the best of a bad situation i would say like it was a really bad day and then we got all the way to the theater next thing you know we're all the way in the back but he made it so much fun which i feel like it just impressed on me i would say that is a good experience also the one that blown my mind so this is the best one i've ever Ever, I mean, the only movie that has ever really ever done this mm-hmm. to me. So I went with my grandfather and my brother to go see the movie Men Who Stare at Goats. Okay. Way underrated film. I don't know if you've ever yes. seen it. We've talked about it before. Okay. With George yes. Clooney. All right. So I went, saw that movie as a kid. Didn't know what the hell I was watching. 
um, was more like, I don't, I don't understand. But my grandpa's like, George Clooney, he's always good. Let's go see him. I'm like, okay. So then like, all I knew was the guy, he played Obi-Wan Kenobi in Star Wars. I was like, oh, got to go Ewan see this. McGregor. Yeah, Ewan McGregor. And um, so then after, I didn't blow my mind the movie at the time until like, I mean, just two years ago. So I was doing the uh, the original podcast, but I just started the spinoff, mm-hmm. which was focusing more on specific down. And my buddy was interested in conspiracy theories. So I went and just typed in conspiracy theories and I went through every single website, all these different lists. Next thing I know, I was just encapsulated. Like you dig a hole and it just keeps getting deeper and deeper and deeper. And next thing you know, I found onto Project Jedi. And Project Jedi was the basis or like kind of the the story behind Men Who Stared Goats. So to realize that that movie turned out to be a real thing where the government was training these peace warriors known as like Jedis Mm -hmm. that were like, you know, using drugs and all these types of things. I was like, it just made the movie a thousand times better. It felt like someone just unraveled like, oh, Santa Claus is real. And you're like, what? Like, oh, my God, you just got flipped around. And then I figured out my mom went to that high school where all the ghosts were being kept (laughs) like near there. I was like holy crap like that just blew my mind so now i always think like every time i see that movie i'm like oh my god like did you know this is all real and i start going into the conspiracy side of me very nice very nice i like those two experiences those are good ones thank you i try try. to impress you and your audience can paint me impressed all right so i have a question for you oh no yes Yes, my oh, show. Yeah. I'm allowed to ask questions. Um, oh yeah. Oh no. Um. So, I like your show, Chuck. It's really nice. Have you ever? And I, I really feel like this is kind of one of those rites of passage type things. Have you ever snuck into a theater? So, like, had a friend or something like that, like buy a ticket to go see a movie, and then like sneak y'all in through one of the side doors or something like that. Or, you know, have you ever bought a ticket for a movie you're allowed to see and then snuck into a theater of a movie you're not allowed to see? Have you ever done anything like that? I have, but not in the way you're thinking. Okay. Well, enlighten me. Mostly, like, I remember uh, we went to go see Ghost Rider. And my cousin was like, he's only six months behind me. But to him, that was a scary movie. So when it first came out, so he was like, I can't, I can't. He had to like get ready to leave. So my grandpa was like, oh, we just spent all this money on a ticket. Now we have to leave. And as we're walking out, like, um, you know, my cousin's like, sorry, it was just too scary. And just kept on going. And then some guy's like, what do you, what's wrong? And we're just explaining the situation. He's like, why don't you go into another movie? So we just hop right into another movie. And yeah, it's more been like every time I've ever snuck into another movie, it's more about convincing the person like, hey, man, you're, you're theater number three, not four. I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to see another one. He's like, all right, whatever. <laughs> I about to say, I mean, my friends and I used to just like buy movie tickets and go into random theaters like, oh, we want to see this movie instead. So we'd go in there and really hope to God that it wasn't a sold out show or something like that. <laughs> we also did the thing where uh, we got multiple movies out of one ticket. So like, you know, you go and watch a movie and you're like okay oh, well, i want to watch another one so you just walk your happy butt into another movie and we just did that a few times throughout the day as well without buying another ticket when i worked at the movie theater catching people sneaking in that was a lot of fun because it was very easy to do 
I just have so many questions. One, what do you think it's like that people have to clean up the theaters now? Like, mm. it's like going to if you ever been to a football game and just wait till everybody leaves and then just start checking under everybody's seat. You find the best shit. I I found a Rolodex one time. I found an iPhone. I ended up calling the person, dude. I'm telling you, man, I don't know what it is, but like if you just wait like 20 minutes till everybody clears out or if you work at the theater and have to clean up after all the messy people that are popcorn trash everywhere, you will find somebody's phone in a recliner. That's the main reason why I don't like it because somebody's always leaving something. I mean, you could probably find a Bentley if you tried hard <laughs> Well, definitely with the way the seats are designed now, it's a lot harder to retrieve lost items. I mean, back in the day, if something fell out of your pocket, it was going to fall out of your pocket, fall between each seat, hit the ground make the loudest fucking noise that it can and roll all the way down to the front of the theater hitting every single person on the way down but you knew you dropped you knew you dropped the important part and then you know you kind of just like you either get up and do the walk of shame and go and try to find it in the middle of the movie or you're just like hey can someone put their foot on that until the end thanks you know I was a nice person if they put their foot on that all the way until the end of the movie imagine you're watching Endgame; it's like the beginning half and it's like <laughs> Three and a half hours. You want me to put my foot on this one? Just come up here and grab it. It'll only take a minute. Nah, man, I'm good. It's gonna actually keep me off of it. Yeah, Thank you. Yeah. I see what you're doing. So a funny, unrelated yet kind of related story. So it doesn't take place in a movie theater, but it involves somebody putting their foot on a cell phone. So I was uh, friends of and I went to uh, Tampa Bay Bush Gardens uh, one time, and this guy. We're going through a loop on a roller coaster. A cell phone just all of a sudden comes flying out of somebody's pocket. I had a friend just reach up, grab it with his hand as it came flying past. He lost it. And the guy behind us managed to like snatch it with his foot and slam it up against like the floor of the roller coaster. There were a few cracks on it, but hey, it survived. So I have a similar story. The day the Superman ride opened up at Six Flags, my brother and my dad went on that ride and my dad actually got separated from my brother in line because my dad had to go to the bathroom. Mm -hmm. So my brother's like, I'm not stepping out of line to go and just be with you on the same seat. I'm going to (laughs) ride up front. And then they ended up putting my dad in the back. I shit you not. When that drop came, my brother, and this is back in the day when we had the flip phone, so it wasn't as important as the iPhone. It flew out of my brother's hand. My dad just, I mean, my dad's six foot four, so he just reached out with his long ass arm and caught the thing as his end was going down that giant ass drop. And I mean, just grabbed it. I mean, I I swear he probably said he almost snapped it in half just by the way he grabbed it at the angle. And um, I put it right in his pocket and he didn't tell my brother until the very end when we're driving home. Because his brother probably thought, oh, shit, I lost my phone. And I'm he about was to like, oh, my, my God. And he was beat. all like the whole time was just like, please don't notice. Like, I'm not going to say anything. And my dad's just waiting for him to say something. <laughs> and um, I think like I guess my brother at the time thought that like, oh, he saw me drop my phone or lose my phone. So maybe he wouldn't tell mom until like we got home. So we don't have to deal with it for three and a half hours on the ride home. You know, but my dad, like, we get back into the car. He goes, he sees me on my like little Game Boy or something. He asks my brother, he goes, Hey, so where's uh, your cell phone at? <laughs> my brother's just like, Oh, it's uh, in my pocket. He goes, You sure? Because I have it right here. He's like, You got it from the ride. And it was just like this crazy thing. I was like, I was like, Dang, but I've never been on a roller coaster. Never? Oh, like I love roller I've coasters. I've never been on a roller coaster. Thing. I would call an adult roller coaster. No loop-de-loops for me. None of that. I've seen Final Destination. I know how that ends.
I can't, as- I can't assemble Ikea furniture properly. So when I see a person that's doing like, uh, you know, making roller coasters and all those magnets and all those things that are being perfectly together. And then all of a sudden, like every time I've ever tried to go on one, they're like, oh, the ride's down for maintenance. I'm like, this is, this is a good thing. I could have been that guy that could have been on the ride. And then next, you know, you flip off and you get split in half. I don't like it. I don't like Final Destination 2 because it ruined me of highways and driving behind log trucks. Like everyone says, I've had that experience. I've been pulled over by a cop and he has told me, why are you going so slow? And I said, did you see what was in front of me? There was a logging truck. And I know how Final Destination because you know the likely possibility of that. <laughs> you know happening, the, right? um, I'm like, yes. I think it was Mythbusters okay, who did the experiment on the Final Destination 2 away. logging truck thing. And logs would not bounce the way that they did in the movie. In fact, uh, we actually had to study Final Destination to in um, my film class in high school because of the special effects in it. And one of the things that we learned was the reason they had to end up using CGI logs is because they tried to do it practically and they couldn't get the logs to bounce the way they wanted to. So, you know, it would would still hurt. It would still suck if logs started falling off the truck because obviously it's going to do some damage, but it's not going to do the damage that you kind of see in the movie. But to take this back to your original question imagine the kind of stuff that you would find in a theater when you're cleaning it and stuff like that i I can easily imagine it now especially with those new seats and everything like that you're going to find all sorts of things in their cell phones car keys um things like that but i remember just my experience from working at the movie theater uh in those older seats the kind of gross shit you would find there, you know, you're not just talking about people leaving their popcorn all over the floor or napkins and, you know, tubs and everything like that. There was some gross shit that you found there all the way up to like used condoms and things like that. So it's just like, I I have absolutely, seriously, I mean, like, why is that a thing? People are getting laid in movie theaters. I mean, I could understand the popcorn thing, yeah. but like, imagine but trying is, to watch yeah, a movie with your grandparents. And the thing and I hated, there's just some dude. Uh, I, I could appreciate the game because it is kind of a fun game. I don't know if you ever played it. It's uh, people would take gummy worms or whatever and like kind of lick them and get them all nice and wet and toss them at the screen, and you know, you get points if you hit like a character in the forehead or something like that. Yeah, uh, I have. I've heard of people like, used to do pickles and doing that on the window, but I've never heard of somebody doing that with gummy worms. What do you think is the best movie snack compared to what do you think is the worst? No, 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 hold on. That's this is a two-parter technically, but it's also two different questions. Movie snacks you buy in the theater or like a dollar store compared to what people have brought to a movie theater. Because I've seen people bring some stuff where I'm like, how the hell did you get that in here? Well, um, Movie snacks that you could buy at a theater or like dollar stores, like my go-to is sweet tarts. I love sweet tarts. Um, so that's that, in my opinion, is always going to be the best snack uh, if we're not including popcorn on this list. Because I mean, I think popcorn's just the given. Um, but I've told you my what I thought was my weirdest thing. You know, we brought a whole pizza. We brought Chinese food. That was the weirdest thing. Yeah, we brought Chinese food that, into a theater. It's not that weird. It's though, not like- that weird. But I mean. Uh, are, are you going to sit there and really like you look over and then there's these people who are opening Chinese takeout? But I mean, you know, so how like you would be a little taken aback if you were to look over and just see a bunch of people opening up Chinese takeout and like, man, I know, that's weird. But that's not that bad. Like I've seen somebody pull out wings and like, but with the, the tin foil that's wrapped from like a Ruby Tuesday <laughs> right next door. Yeah. So they got the whole. whole 
like the whole like that and then you could just smell it and you're like damn i really actually want one of those things and then like doing the obnoxious thing of when the wings are done you crumbled it back up into the paper but then you start licking your fingers loud so i'm sitting here trying to watch like ben affleck on screen and all you're hearing is like god damn this is worse than chewing gum well you know no offense to ben affleck but it probably improved if it's a performance a little bit i like ben affleck okay <laughs> i don't know why everyone hates ben affleck this i don't hate ben affleck he just them. makes some really weird movies sometimes i like ben affleck movies when nobody mentions nick cage's movies they're all the fucking same they are all it's either somebody stealing his wife somebody stealing his daughter or you just don't know what movie he's in because honestly no one can say is he a good actor or is he a bad actor more on the moral right. compass line not really if they're an amazing actor more on like where does he stand does he always play the bad guy in films does he always play the good guy in films i have no freaking clue he goes back and forth on the pendulum he's just nick cage i about to say are you describing nick cage or are you describing liam neeson okay hang on a second there's about 15 movies on netflix that are all <laughs> nicholas cage just movies and they all have the same premise to each one somebody stole his wife somebody stole his daughter somebody stole his wife again somebody stole his daughter and again are you are you sure you're not talking about i swear to god it's not liam neeson there's only three of those movies nick cage has like 30 different movies that are not prequels or sequels or whatever they're not back-to-back movies they're just different names by different directors i'm like did nick cage just like get a script thrown at him he's like i just want it to be like this and then he like did a rewrite of it and gave it back and they're all like what do you mean like we can't just rewrite the whole entire movie it's about you on a high speed pursuit as a cop chasing down this villain okay but i just want to get my daughter back it's like no 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 no, no, no. that's not the, that's not the script you can't just well i'm only going to be in if i could do get the script back i'm like all right here we'll rewrite the script we'll do recasting we'll spend millions and millions of dollars in making the movie that you want to be in nick cage i like that i like that well you know as weird as nick cage is he he maybe has that kind of power. I don't know. Nick Cage is... He's not a bad actor. He's not a good actor either. He's just kind of one of those people that like every once in a while he will land into a role that is very well suited for him. So he appears to be a good actor. Case in point, one of my favorite movies of his is Face Off. Okay. All right. With John Travolta. Yeah. He did a so fantastic... In fact, I, I enjoyed him more as the villain part of it than the good guy part of it in that movie because he got to just, like, basically be, hey, Nick Cage, go crazy. Okay, so be how I normally am? Yes, being how you normally are, and he was crazy. Um, another great Nicolas Cage film is... Uh, well, not Nicolas Cage film. He was in it. Kick-Ass. You gotta okay. love him in Kick-Ass. He was perfect yeah. for that role. But then he, he does was... make movies that you're just like... What the fuck are you doing, Nick Cage? What are you doing, you Ghost Rider? There's a, he's he's amazing. What are you talking about? I don't like that movie because of him. You're freaking nuts, dude. Well, that's you beside the point. That's not what we're here nuts. to discuss. I know I'm nuts. Hang on a second. No, 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 no. He is perfect for Ghost Rider. Johnny Blaze, bro. Wait, hold on. I, I want you to be able. I see. I see your face, but at the same headphones. time, Johnny. I can't hear what you're saying. I'm sure you're saying something really brilliant. There we go. What? I said Johnny Blaze, bro, <laughs> is the one of the best. Like that was that's my all time. Basically, if you want to say superhero, that's like one of my favorites right there. Besides Green Lantern, and I think it just yeah. But does Nicolas Cage make him? I do think he makes him. Yeah, if they did a sequel to um, Ghost Rider or something, I probably would not enjoy it. 
They did. They did make a sequel. Not this awful too. Not the second one. I actually enjoyed that one too. I'm talking about if they made like another one, like how they do with the Spider-Man movies, where they're like we're gonna replace the actor and just do the whole movie in a different way. Oh, uh, I, I gotcha, I gotcha, like I gotcha. That. No, yeah, yeah. I'm not. A, what movies do you think actually messed up the actor? Like I look at like Johnny Depp, and I'm like, he's a really, really good guy, but nobody understands a damn word he's saying half the time. It feels like he's just stuck in Pirates of the Caribbean mode all the time. But he's made so much money. Like I don't think anybody should be that famous. Um, it's definitely ruined him. I uh, I was going to say, as much as I enjoyed the first three Pirates of the Caribbean movies, I could do without the other ones. Um, I really do feel like Pirates of the Caribbean ruined Johnny Depp because. He bought every house on his block. <laughs> he bought every house on his block except the one that the guy wouldn't sell. So you know what he did? He made a statue that is a giant middle finger, and it's pointed towards that house. That's Johnny Depp money. That is, like, insane. And then have you seen him on his Instagram videos? Like, hey, everybody, I just joined Instagram, and I just want to say we all need to talk about peace and love. No, I peace. I don't follow Johnny Depp on any kind of social media or anything like that because I personally I think the guy is a douche, so I don't want to follow him. He's pretty boy. He's a good actor, but I just he's got so much personal shit that I just don't agree with. So he's about as weird on his Instagram as he is, he is um, in real life. John Travolta <laughs> is very, very weird on Instagram. John Travolta is just very, very weird, period. That's Scientology for you. He said, hey, everybody, hope you're all staying alive during the pandemic. Just wanted to say my son made a TikTok if you want to go follow him. And that's the end of the video. I'm like, there are people dying right now. There are people that are losing their jobs. There are people that are doing all these things. And you have to just shout out your son's TikTok. And that's all he did was just that short clip. But then I look at like John Travolta hasn't been in a movie for a very long time. That was good. Very true. Very true. I mean, the last movie I think I enjoyed him in, he dressed in drag and sang with his fat child, Hairspray. I never saw Hairspray, thank God. I hate musicals. Uh, I I love I have not seen, you know what I saw instead of Les Miserables? What'd you see? Movie 43, which gets shit on more than (laughs) any other movie. I loved movie 43. I don't care who you are. So funny, yet so weird. No, that's the definition of what happens if we get too many high paying actors into a film. Too many. I think that was the point. That's the point. Um, Yes, it was a great movie, but everyone hates it. Listen, look, my I have family that work in radio stations. So every morning I hear one of my family members on the radio station and this guy comes on, they always do a talk show in the morning for a couple of hours. And he's got like, he he has this like kind of Boston accent, but you could tell he's really trying to play it up. Like, Oh, you know what I'm talking about? I'm like, I know you're doing that on purpose, bro. And I'm just listening. Like this guy is just, he's only getting popular because he's shitting on everything. And he starts Mm -hmm. talking about movie 43. And I was like, hang on a second. So I had to call in. And I was like, I had to disguise myself because my family member wouldn't let me on the air if they knew it was me. So I call in and I'm like, what are you talking about? Movie 43 He goes, what do you mean? How do you like that movie? I'm like, how do you not like it? The whole point was it was supposed to be a funny ass movie. It was supposed to be like epic movie or uh, one of these movies that are just nothing but jokes. And it's like, this is supposed to be a train wreck. Like, have you ever seen, um, what's that one? It's like two bill or $1 billion movie or something. Billion dollar movie. The the guy that hired them to do this film, it was just two comedians and he gave them a billion dollars to make this movie. So they literally just like the whole movie is them 
using like maybe a thousand dollars like it's the worst film shot thing ever and then they spent like just a bunch of money getting like just some high famous like people in it and then at the ending it's the guy who paid them the money for the movie he's just sitting in the theater like i paid a billion dollars for this and that was the joke but it was like that was a good film like they actually spent they actually spent money on that movie and then next thing you know it's just this one they get Johnny Depp or something, toss him a billion dollars. Like, here you go, be in our movie while we just film the rest with like that camcorder. You're frozen again, just so you know. I don't know if you can hear me. I've I've really got to take a picture of the face that you're making right now because it is ridiculous. Hold on. I don't know why I'm saying hold on, you're not going anywhere. Anyway, so yes, instead of seeing Les Miserables, you saw movie forty three. Yes, you probably made a good choice there because if you don't like musicals, you definitely wouldn't like Les Misérables because they sing throughout basically the entire movie from beginning to end. There's very few actual spoken lines in that movie. Okay, what's one thing you could bring into a movie theater that you would if you couldn't buy it at the movie theater? If I could, so it can't be candy, can't be popcorn, can't be nachos, can't be a hot dog, can't be whatever. You got George Foreman grills up on that bitch. <laughs> um. Well, aside from Chinese food, I don't I take pizza, honestly. That's so basic, though. I, um, I'm a basic white girl, okay? I love, you know, pumpkin spice frappuccinos. I love pizza and I want to see some on the beach. Dude, I want to see some dude just breaking out like a Caesar salad, but like the make your own. So he's got to like shake it in the thing and everything and make it like that. So it's like this guy. This guy, oh, they forgot my dressing. He's got to drive all the way back to like the place, pick up dressing, and come right back in halfway through the movie. So when you work at a movie theater, you know you have your uh, big company meetings or your big staff meetings inside one of the theaters. And I took a big tub of chicken and rice one time to eat while we were having a meeting. Uh, but I had my grandma probably did the worst thing that was so embarrassing, but she brought stuff in her purse, but she brought a bag of sun chips. Oh God. And I swear to you, that is the loudest thing you could ever do. Like you're trying to bite into, and it's not even like, it's like eating a Dorito, that crunch that when you bite into that chipping, just hear that and it echoes through your mouth and all the way through the theater and everything. Everybody just turns around. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Because Sun chips are like a step up from plastic almost. I mean, well, it's biodegradable bags. So they make it even louder. (laughs) Oh Lord. You froze again on me. So at this point in the show, ladies and gentlemen, I would like you to know that Rob is like staring. I don't know what. I don't know what he's staring at. He's staring at me. He's staring at headless Tony Collette from Hereditary. I'm not sure. Very pensive. Deep in thought. It's the eyes. They're looking. Ooh. It's like the ring. You know. We're gonna die in seven days. And all of a sudden, the TV just turned on, and there you see the ring, and Samara, the girl, is coming after him. Oh my god! This bitch is getting water on my floor! I'm definitely not editing any of this out. In case anybody's wondering. Waiting for him to again rejoin me on Zoom. Zoom, 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 zoom. Anybody remember that Mazda commercial? Technical difficulties, people. See, Pete, 
I don't think anybody really thinks about the type of technical difficulties that we experience as podcasters because we're relying on technology, computers and everything to get our job done. And computers suck sometimes. I was trying to record the other day with my brother and it just, my computer just wanted to stop doing everything. In fact, my computer's actually stopped recording three times on this, but it's been so seamless that I've been able to just click right back into the window and hit record again. I don't know why it does it. I keep saying system overload or some BS like that, which is BS, but, you know, here we are. My favorite movie snack, <laughs> mother taught me, eat Juji Fruits, because Juji Fruits last you throughout the whole entire movie. I know, I just came back in on that, but I had to get it out there so you could find a good way to wrap the episode. I'm sorry for people listening, and I'm also sorry to Chuck. My internet is going in and out. Don't buy Mediacom. If I had to make a movie, it would be not to buy Mediacom because they suck. Uh, I would get Hugh Jackman to play it. I would also get um, Nicholas probably Cage. Nicholas Cage yep, and Liam Neeson to play, mostly because I need two people that are very good at getting people, tying them up to chairs, and probably killing them in the end. And also, I would just get Hugh Jackman because, I don't know, he seems like in a tough situation he could understand. Plus, you need an Australian in there somewhere. Of course. Uh, no, I, I'm laughing because that was just perfect the way you just bounced right back in and picked up right where you left off. But I can't wait for you to hear. I'm leaving my talking. I heard you when the thing shut. You're like, if anybody can hear this, I'm just staring at Rob right now. And it's I'm trying like, to figure. Oh, but did you hear the part about the ring? No, I didn't. One. Oh, OK, cool. Well, I can't wait for you to hear that. And you just froze again. So they're going to go ahead and end the show here. Guys, uh, thank you for joining us on this bonus episode. <laughs> I don't know what's going on here, but uh, yeah. Uh, thank you for joining us on this bonus episode and stick around for more fun and more <laughs> hilarity. Oh, and uh, of course, we'll see you at the movies. Bye.